What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a probably the most special episode of HCS Pro Talk that we've ever had. And uh, I guess I'll just do the whole thing. It's your weekly Hey Louise Sports podcast. And uh, this is going to be our 200th episode of the motherfucking show. <laughs> and uh, what better to celebrate than with an interview with an individual who um, we we basically ghosted a long time ago and uh, <laughs> had reached back out to us. And it's like, hey, do you want to fucking do this thing or not? He didn't use fucking, but, you know, we, we do. So he's like, do you want to do this thing? We're like, oh, shit. You, you, you do, you know us. Okay. Yeah. Let's fucking yeah. do this shit. The man, the myth, the legend, the Halo Esports lead at Microsoft and 343 Industries, Tashi. Tashi, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me and congrats on 200. That's insane. Hey man, thank you. And it wouldn't, I mean, this show wouldn't be what the fuck it is today without the HCS being a thing in the first place. So, I mean, I guess we really have to thank you because otherwise, what would we be? The, the Call of Duty nah. Pro Talk show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, seriously, congrats to you guys. 200 is insane. That's like the longest running running Halo podcast that I could think of, aside from like maybe Potacular. Um, so pretty incredible. And I'm glad we could finally set this up and do it. Um, actually, what reminded me to kind of check into our dms and be like where did that leave off was uh i saw martin ohm's tweet about you guys and i was like wasn't i supposed to do an interview with them like ages ago and so i looked at my dms and i was like oh that was like over two years ago so yeah here we are glad we could yeah. set this up and and do it so clearly we're the worst people in the world because we just let that fall off a cliff but shout out to martin You're one fine. of the greatest people in this community of all time martin is phenomenal and uh, yeah, Martin, if and when you watch this, what a fucking race we saw this morning, huh? It was crazy. Um, all right, Tashi, are you ready to get started, sir? I'm ready to get started. All right. So everyone has an origin story, so let's talk about yours. <laughs> Where are you from? What was life like for Tashi growing up? How'd you get your start with video games? And where did the passion for production in Halo originate from? All right. Uh, let's see. So... I grew up in the suburbs of New York City, this little town called Mayopac. Population's like, I think it's like 5,000 people or something like that. Um, my parents, uh, and yeah, my parents are immigrant Albanians. They traveled here in the 70s um, and then settled down in the Bronx with like my grandparents and whatnot. I am the youngest of five. So all of my three brothers and my sister were born in the Bronx and then my parents moved upstate uh, about an hour away once. Um, it was actually right before I was born. I think my mom was like a few months pregnant with me. Um, so yeah, that's where I hail from. Um, <laughs> how I got into video games, I remember going to my grandfather's uh, house in the Bronx. My uncle used to uh, live in the basement there and he had an original Nintendo. And so I remember, I think that was my first like gaming memory is going down and playing like Mario or track and field. I remember like mashing the buttons on that. Um, and then I think it really took off for me with like the Super Nintendo uh, when I was like probably three or four years old. 
Um, I just, yeah, I just fell in love with playing Mario and Zelda, um, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, F Zero, like all those yes. classic Super Nintendo games is kind of all the games that I grew up on. And yeah, I've always loved games, uh, you know, ever since then. You know, just kind of graduated to the next systems that came out. So, you know, N64, PS1, PS2, you know, GameCube, uh, Dreamcast. And yeah, I've just always played games and slowly but surely started getting into more FPS games. Used to play some Unreal, played a little Counter-Strike. This is like, I think around 2000, year 2000 now. And then, um, yeah, I remember xbox came out and i was like a ps2 kid at the time so i was like you know i was playing unreal on playstation i was playing gran turismo like those are my jams and i remember my friends had an xbox and i went over and played it and they had the duke controller at the time and i was like this thing sucks like (laughs) i hate the xbox i can't even play this thing and um so yeah i like didn't like the xbox at first and then i don't remember what kind of pushed me over the edge but I guess all my friends in school had just been talking about Halo. And um, it was 2003 when I first got an Xbox and Halo CE. I still remember hooking it up for the first time and you know running through that first mission, Halo CE. And then basically every week playing at my friend's place, we would play like four-player split screens on Prisoner. And, uh, and then, yeah, a year later, Halo 2 came out. And right around then, I knew like, you know, I was going to work on Halo. Like, that's what I wanted to do. Um, And then, yeah. So that's kind of, I guess, let me see. I didn't really touch too much of my childhood except for gaming. That's kind of it, though, honestly. Like, I just played a ton of games. Like, I was a total, like, nerd. Watched Dragon Ball Z, played games. <laughs> that's that's basically all I did. <laughs> two, two follow-up questions. Uh, in an yeah. Instagram post, you had a little video from way back in the day with you and your brother in the Super Nintendo. And yeah. uh, you threw you threw fuck out there. So I have I to ask, because I got my start in swearing a lot later in, in terms of in relation to that moment. Um, uh, how quickly did you pick up? How quickly did you learn swearing? Is that like a New York thing? Uh, I don't know if it's a New York thing, um, but it was really quick. I'm, I'm the youngest of five. So like my oldest brother is 11 years older than me. So like oh. in that video, in that video is two days before I turned four. So, you know, he was a teenager, you know what I mean? Like, teenagers curse, that's what they just do. And my parents, like, my parents didn't really care, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't know what was good or bad, they just said it's a word. So, like, you know, yeah, I I picked it up from all of my brothers, and I'm sure, like, watching TV and movies with them and all that stuff, too. So, yeah, I've I've been cursing for... I get. It. I don't know. It's like all my cousins too. It's really bad. We have a bad <laughs> yeah. rap of just like a terrible language. But I've actually like it's been a lot of work to clean up my language and how I speak since I moved out here and started working, you know, for a corporation. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Professionalism. I uh, my brother is twelve years older than me, and I was also he was teaching me to swear by the time I was three, four as well. So, yeah. what? Yeah. He had, me, uh, he had me rapping Snoop Dogg songs when I was four. <laughs> See, I learned from Same South here. Park's Bigger, Longer, and Uncut when, when I was in, like, elementary school. But that, that's <laughs> drastically different. Man. Um, Jeez. I had a second follow-up, but I already forgot what it was. 
but that's okay. Um, so where did you get your start with photography and what equipment are you currently using? Uh, photography. So yeah, I guess for me, uh, I've, I'd always been fascinated with like camcorders and video equipment. Um, my dad had a camcorder when we were growing up and we used to like film a lot of stuff on VHS and I was just kind of like always obsessed with grabbing the camera. Me and my sister and my cousins used to do like home videos. We used to do like fake talk shows and fake music videos. And yeah, I was like the cameraman of the group. So I always liked, you know, uh, filming stuff. And then, you know, I think when I started playing more Halo, I got into like streaming, having a capture card, editing videos. I think I've I've always had kind of an interest in that. But I'd say more recently is when I actually like picked up a legitimate camera and just started, um, you know, just kind of exploring with it. Um, yeah, for me, I always felt like I had a decent eye for stuff. And I think what I really like about photography is it's like super rewarding to capture a moment of either a thing or a person and then share it with those people. Um, like I, I'll have like taking photos of like people at work and their dogs. And then I'm like, Hey, I took this photo of your dog. And they're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And it's like so <laughs> rewarding to like give them the photo of their own dog and stuff like that. So that's what I personally really like about photography. Uh, the gear I'm using, I've got this new camera right here. It's the Canon R6. I don't know if there are any camera nerds out there, but um, it's a mirrorless camera. I think it's like a year old. Um, but yeah, I got it a couple of months ago because I have for what I'm using for this interview right now is a Canon T7i. And it's pretty good, but it's, a good, it's like a beginner camera. And I was just feeling like I wasn't getting the quality because, you know, working in esports, you see like your Twitter feed is just filled with like amazing professional photos. And you're like, I want my photos to look like that. <laughs> so, so I got like, it was honestly frustrating because I would have good composition. It just wouldn't have the quality and sharpness. So yeah, I got this camera because I wanted to like, you know, step it up a notch. And these things last years and, and the lenses last forever. So like, yeah, I just, um, yeah, I just go around kind of shooting random stuff with this and I've got to use it a little bit for work too. So like the... The little teaser of the HCS gear, that little tag with the trophy that we tweeted out, like that was with this camera. So that oh. was like a fun little project. So stuff like that is really rewarding for me too. Like when I get to use my camera for work and stuff. Do you have like a most memorable picture you've ever taken that sticks in the back of your mind? Um, most memorable. Or, so, or a picture that you took that you remember that's like, damn, that was, that was a really fucking good picture that I took. Um, no, I think um, the one that kind of sticks out in my mind right now is, um, this is about two years ago, I took a photo of a coworker's dog and I just sent it to him and, you know, he liked it and whatnot. And then I got tagged in an Instagram post uh, from him like a few months ago because his dog had passed. And the Instagram post was like, you know, I, I miss my dog and this photo that Tashi took, you know, and I was just like, holy crap, like, it's kind of nuts. Like, this photo I took is something that, you know, this person I know from work and is a friend of is like remembering their dog of, you know what I mean? And like, again, it's nice to like, play a tiny part in like, 
what hopefully is joy looking back on the memories that they had with that dog, you know? So that's the one, like when you asked that question, like stuck out to me right away. That's awesome. That's a great moment. Um, where has been the favorite place that you've traveled to and what made it so memorable? Uh, favorite place I've traveled to. Yeah, I would say the one that sticks out for me is I got to, for Halo 5's launch, be part of the Xbox Fan Fest tour in Asia. Oh, shit. So, um, yeah, it was like a couple people got to go from each of the different Microsoft studios. So there was a few people from 343, a few from the Forza team, and, you know, other teams that were around that time launching different games. And... um Xbox was holding these like events basically in all these different cities in Asia. And so it's like this two week blitz. You go from like, I can't remember the order, but it was like Korea, Hong Kong, Singapore, Japan. I'm missing something else. I'm forgetting. Um, but it was a lot of fun. It was me and James from work who was at the time a playtest coordinator. Now he's a producer on the, on a development team. Um, Frankie was with us, Frank O'Connor, who's always awesome to hang out with. And then Walsh, got to come too. So it was really cool to hang out with Walsh. And uh, yeah, we just like traveled Asia, got to experience all these different cultures and um, check out like, you know, what these places had to offer for basically 48 hours, do a cool event, meet fans, and then jump on a plane and go to the next city. Um, so it was a total whirlwind, but it was an unforgettable experience. And um, yeah, it was just really cool to, uh, yeah, it's kind of wild now that I think back on it some more. It's like, that's like once in a lifetime experience, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've never been out of the country, so I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Minnesota boys. Yes. Um, all right, let's talk about shoes, Tashi. Okay. The, the sneaks. Uh, so based on your Instagram, You've got a nice yep. collection of Nikes, including now correct me if I'm wrong on any of these. Okay. Okay. Like I, I tried to like cross reference things. And so I, I hope I got the names of all these, right? So let's see. Okay. Flyknit racer. Be true. Hmm. Okay. I missed those air Jordan 11 retros. Yep. Air Jordan three OG 88 true blues. Yep. And the air Jordan 15 retro stealth. Nice. Okay. Am I right? Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. So where did your love of sneakers originate? We'll start with that one. So, um, yeah, my family grew up giant Chicago Bulls fans. Mm. And so uh, my brothers used to, like, buy Jordans when they came out, like, back in the day. And, like, in high school, they had, like, jobs at Foot Action which was, I don't even know if Foot Action still exists, but it was an old sneaker store, basically like Foot Locker. And so they used to get access to Jordans at a discounted rate and get them early. And so we always just had like, our family just always had like Jordans every year. We were kind of spoiled in that regard. But um, yeah, that's where the love of the Jordans came through. So I, um, as I was growing up and getting sneakers, you know, my foot grew every like few months. So like, I would quickly like outgrow my sneakers. And so now that I'm like stuck at a size 13, thankfully, I, <laughs> I'm i like buying all of the old sneakers that I either used to have or wish I did. 
and I'm just keeping them because now they can, I can always wear them, you know, I don't have to worry about, you know, outgrowing them anymore. So they're like a, um, I actually don't like to splurge a lot on clothes. Um, but those are the one things that I, from a clothing perspective, like splurge on is like when there's a new pair of Jordans that I like really want, like I get them. And, um, I limit myself though, cause they have like tons of different variants of all these Jordans. And I typically only get ones that he wore like in games. Um, so that keeps my lineup limited to like a couple pairs a year. Um, but yeah, that's where love came from. I have a bunch in my closet over there, which you can't see, but yeah, I'm up to like 20 something pairs right now, I think, which is, you know, it's nothing compared to a lot of sneaker heads out there. So I'm pretty selective, but, uh, yeah, just always love Jordans. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's okay. You'll be on an episode of Complex Closet soon enough, Tashi. Right? <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty embarrassing if they walked in here. <laughs> like, that's it? <laughs> um, so what is your favorite pair that's in your collection right now? My favorite pair, you called them out, the threes. They're the, uh, they originated in 1988. That's where when Jordan got, I think, his first MVP. Um, the white and true blue ones. They just go great with, like, anything nice pair of jeans nice summer day super comfortable uh i don't play in my jordans but they are great to play in um but yeah those are my favorites what's the best jordan sneaker the best jordan sneaker in your in your opinion which which uh which era of jordan sneaker is the best oh era um i think the the early to mid 90s jordans are probably the best um like the fives sixes sevens eights not like through 11 like every year it was just like the craziest jordans that like every year a new pair of jordans came out it like set the bar in the sneaker industry for how you evolve a sneaker they, they were like defining the industry as it went and i don't think people really appreciated that until way later because I remember, and this is hearing from my brothers who worked at Foot Action, like back in the day, Jordans did not sell like they do today, where they just fly off the shelf and break apps and trend on Twitter. Like a lot of times it was like the real hardcore, you know, basketball fans who were buying them. Um, and there were tons of other Nikes at the time that were available as well. But like, yeah, Jordans didn't, they didn't sell out as much as they do now. But um, yeah, I would say for in terms of era, like the early to mid-90s Jordans are my favorites. Awesome. And then what's one grail pair that you've also that you've always had your eyes on? Uh let's see. Oh, I know this. The uh 92 Olympics, the Sevens. Um they uh this is for the Dream Team. So the uh Jordan played on the Dream Team 92 Olympics in Barcelona. They crushed everybody and he made a pair of Jordans, the sevens for them. And they look incredible, the colors and I've never had them. So those are, those are ones before I die, I need to get a pair. Do you know how much they're going for right now? Just off the top of your head? Uh, I don't, I don't know the last time they remade those. I think it's been like nearly a decade. Oh man. But I imagine new, they're gotta be like close to a thousand, but I'm not entirely sure. That's gotta be insane. Um, Awesome. Let's uh, thank you for the the sneaker talk. Um, yeah. You stated in a recent vlog that you've picked up the sport of bouldering. 
Yeah. So for the uninitiated, how would you describe bouldering and are you going to be entering any more tournaments? Bouldering for the uninitiated. Um, yeah, essentially. So bouldering, there's kind of like two really two real types. There's outdoor where you're like literally out in nature finding these giant rocks and you're climbing them. Um, and you don't have a rope, so you don't go very high. That doesn't mean it's like safe, but <laughs> you don't have a rope. Um, and then there's indoor, which is what I do. I do indoor bouldering where they have root setters that come in and they basically put all these like roots, they call them problems, on the wall. And they have different grades. So it goes from like V0, which is like easier, all the way up to like V11, V12. It just keeps going. Um, but basically, like, yeah, you just have a certain starting position and then you climb up like 10, 15 feet, depending on the problem. And you have to what's called matching where you hit both hands at the top where it says like it's completed and that's bouldering. And it's like super rewarding. It's a very difficult sport. The skill ceiling is huge. Um, and it's amazing to watch as well. I watch a ton of bouldering, which is really cool. Uh, so, you know, spectator sport and yeah, it's just like very rewarding, physically demanding, um, but also like mentally demanding because you have to like solve your problem solving on the fly, basically, because it's not as simple as like climbing a ladder. Your body's contorted in all these different positions. The root setters understand, you know, if you reach for your hand here, your right leg is going to come flying out. And so they, they put that problem there. So when you get up there, <laughs> you know, you fall off the wall and they make it difficult and it requires all these new techniques as you learn. So yeah, that's bouldering for the uninitiated, but, um, bouldering is amazing, amazing sport. It is, it can be dangerous. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend people at least trying it out. It's super fun. And I'm afraid of heights. So for me, it was like a real challenge to like suck it up and go for it. Um, but yeah, bouldering is awesome. And then are you entering any more tournaments? I don't know. They don't, my gym, I kind of want to tell them they should hold monthly tournaments. Um, I know they, you know, it's a lot of work to put those on. Um, but it was a lot of fun. So I kind of want to like, maybe I should just tweet at them angrily. Like, yo, where are these tournaments? What the heck is going on? <laughs> yes. Huh, I wonder. I wonder what that, that sounds like. That sounds sounded oddly familiar. specific. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That was like, weird. Maybe we've heard that somewhere. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Man. <sighs> the prize pool is only you know three hundred bucks. What the heck? Um, I'm just trolling. But yeah. Um, yeah. I hope they do more because I will enter and I suck terribly. Just like I'm a big dude. Like I'm not meant for climbing. Like my body is not meant to like get off of the ground. So, um, but I love it um so yeah the fact of the matter is you're trying and that's really all that yeah. matters you're putting the work in um yeah. so tashi you just got off from a long day in the office or you're logging off the remote computer if you're working remotely what does the rest of the day and night look like what do you do to de-stress what other hobbies are you into outside of competitive halo and now bouldering uh so typically when i log off i'm getting my exercise in for the day so depending on the day, it'll be just a run or a lift and a run or a climb and a run or 
whatever other like random stuff I've been getting into. Um, I was trying a little bit of golf and then I hurt my wrist. So now I can't really swing a club. Um, and then, yeah, just like whatever kind of random exercise that I wanted to do, followed by grabbing dinner. Uh, and then lately it's been like back to work. So, um, yeah, grinding, grinding pretty late some of these nights. But, um, yeah, that's that's my day. It's like got to get my exercise in. Um, other stuff I like to do to unwind is uh, play guitar. So that's that's fun for me. Um, I like to draw. I don't draw very often these days, but I've been. I used to think I was going to be an artist when I was a kid. That was like what I wanted to do before, really. I started playing Halo. Um, so I've always liked drawing. Um, so sometimes that'll be how I like, you know, end the day. And then um, I'm trying to think, what else do I like to do at the end of work? Um, I watch a lot of esports, which I know is kind of related to what I do for work, but if there's a tournament on or some grassroots streamer or the Halo streamer, whatever it is, like I'll usually with dinner, like, you know, throw on a stream or YouTube video that, you know, someone in the community is released or whatever the case is. But yeah, that's typically a, a weekday for me. See everybody. So Tashi does pay attention to you. So don't <laughs> think that he's just sitting there not caring about what you're producing. That's not the case. He does care. Tashi, how long have you been playing guitar? Um, I'm ashamed to say because I suck still because I don't play. I'm not a very committed guitarist, but I've been playing for I've playing on and off for like 13 to 15 years, something like that. Wow. You would never tell by watching me play. You'd be like, oh, you just started like two months ago. I'm like, yeah, yeah, just two months ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's always been like an on and off thing for me. And I've never. I've never committed to like learning properly. I just, you know, try to play my favorite songs and that's kind of it. Hey, I, uh, I kind of, I learned the same way. I, I started playing when I was, gosh, 16, 17, and it's been on and off and kind of same thing. I just play, I look at tabs online and I, mm-hmm. I play with what I want to play. I couldn't tell you a scale or what. Yeah. As long as you enjoy it and having fun, man. That's, that's awesome. When we, uh, oh, yeah. When we go into Guitar Center together, he he immediately gra- grabs an acoustic or an electric and plugs it into an amp, but he immediately gravitates towards one, sits down, and just serenades me. So Beautiful. Yes. Is this we, on we, video anywhere? Can I watch this? <laughs> Next time, sneak a video, right? Yes. Just make sure Next I don't time know. I will. We'll, we'll, get the, we'll get the pork and beans on there. I'll we'll, get camera shy. <laughs> It'll be good shit. What's, what's the most recent song that you've been learning to play, Tashi? Uh, what is it? The other day I was learning, um, uh, the Smiths, please, please, please. All right. I don't know if I know that one. We should look at Smiths. Oh, you should look at It's a beautiful acoustic guitar song. We'll get DMCA'd. Fuck it. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. Well, thank you for giving us a peek into the personal life, Tashi. Uh, are you ready to move on to some career questions? Oh, there's there's more. No, I'm oh. kidding. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> oh, you're right. Sorry, guys. We're out. Have a great one. That's good. Episode just 200. Fuck you. Um, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do it. I'm just trolling. All right. 
I did. I will. For I the can record. have some fun too. Goddamn yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you. Because yeah. we were worried. We, I mean, we've been nervous leading up to this for the longest time, but we're worried that like, man, what if he just doesn't laugh at all? This is going to be fucking terrible for us. We're going to, we're going to start. Oh crying. no. Little known fact. Like I'm all about humor and comedy. Like I always try to like crack jokes, even in like serious business meetings. Like I will come in with a joke to lighten the mood um yeah i always have like wacky fun ideas that we try to like get into shows and any of our content and stuff so yeah awesome. comedy is so a big awesome. part of my life on a scale of one to ten one being the app like fuck this ten being oh bring some more please unishek's uh dad jokes that he posts on twitter they're usually really good um you mean really bad got it okay jo- okay josh hates <laughs> no dad they're jokes. good they're good oh you hate dad jokes I hate Come on. and i hate puns too i hate He's, both we, they're so bad for a while we had a whole so we'd we'd stream and when, on our after show we would do dad jokes and puns just to piss off josh and we had to stop because we ran out of them <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he i don't just, know how unishek has so many yeah it's crazy but yeah this guy just doesn't like i i think they're hilarious but I know. Yeah. Did you hear about the Italian chef that died? Uh, no. Wait, 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 wait. Don't. Hold on. Oh, come on. Hold, let me see if I can get it. Hold on. <laughs> um, did I hear about the Italian chef who died? Um, no. Oh, he passed away. Okay, I did hear that one. Son of a <laughs> yes. bitch. That's <laughs> one of my favorites. Do you hear one? Like, there, there's one about an impasta as well. That sounds like that. amazing. It's it's not, but I mean, hey, whatever. Josh you just have to put yourself him. in the right mindset. It's all about the mindset. As long as you like dumb your brain down, you know you're like it's Tuesday. You're about to read a Unishek terrible Tuesday joke. Then you can enjoy it. You know, my rebuttal is like I'm a dad and I fucking hate dad jokes. But I mean, that's that's besides the point. All right, let's go to some career questions so we don't get stuck okay. on dad jokes the whole damn time. I got the impasta one real quick though. Go for it. What do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, oh, yes. no. Um, all right. What does a day in the life of the Halo Esports lead for 343 look like? A day in the life. Uh, let's see. Wake up. Uh, try to have breakfast if I have time. And then I'm basically like on meetings or in meetings, I should say, not on top of them. Um, yeah, pretty much like 80% of all my days are just like in meetings. Um, talking to teams, tournament operators, internal teams that we work with, development team, um, sponsors, yeah, marketing team, like anyone and everyone, just like on phone calls, talking to the esports team, of course, helping them out with certain things. Um, and then once I am out of meetings is when I have time to like respond to emails, you know, whatever other like um i don't know what the right words to say this but like like actual work <laughs> like work that's not meetings you know what i mean yeah like where i have to like whatever it is i have to write a blog or i have to uh review work that the team has done or i have to like respond to emails or like put together plans for stuff and flesh out ideas and make presentations like that kind of work um and then yeah i'll take a break you know, get my exercise in, eat some dinner. And then when I get back to work at night, it's more of that, like that uh, regular work. That's not meetings. So 
you know, the writing blogs and yeah, just like working on all of our future plans and strategies and all that stuff. So that's my day. Do you wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy? <laughs> How does P. Diddy feel when he wakes up? Well, it's just quoting the Kesha song, but that's that's all that was. <laughs> there's, there's gotta be so oh, that's much. That's hard to say. <laughs> I don't fucking know what it feels like know. to wake up as P. Diddy. Wait, it's we should a, Google this. How, it, does make, how does it feel to wake up in the morning and be like P. Diddy? That's how I bet Kesha's song pops up. I bet that's the first thing that pops up in the search. Here we go. Hold on. It's how does P. Diddy feel in the morning? Let's see. Um come on. Okay. Looks like it says you feel confident and a badass, but also hung over and still a little high on coke. Oh wow. Uh, so the answer is no. No, that's probably Kesha, no. I don't wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Uh, I actually I... don't like I just that's just from Reddit, just for clarity. Like I don't know if oh. any of that's true. I mean, it's the internet, so it has to it's be true, the right? Internet, right? Yeah. Don't come at me, P. Diddy. I'm a big fan. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Well, um, you've worked for Microsoft and Three for Three for over seven years, starting as a contractor and going through the ranks as an esports producer, lead esports producer, and now the esports lead for Three for Three. What has that journey been like for you? And do you have any specific memory from each role that stands out throughout the years? uh yeah let's see so yeah when i started there wasn't an esports team so i was on the community team the community team like managed and really like founded the hcs uh years ago so that was yeah february 2014 i was a community coordinator um my job at the time was really to support the community in our various products so if people had issues with like Halo 4 or they had issues with like Waypoint, whatever other games, I was like on the forums and on Twitter, just like supporting them. And then I did like community engagement stuff too. So I used to like do community interviews and like write these blogs and help out with some of our social and stuff. And then, yeah, I think for us, it was pretty interesting because we were gearing up for MCC's launch and we were like really winding down for like Halo 4 support. Um, and so there was just an interesting period of time where I had like a lot of free time. Um, and so, you know, I started getting more and more involved in like different projects at the studio. So, you know, I like when the ideas of like founding an HC, like an esports league started coming up, you know. I inserted myself into those conversations because I was like, hey, I'm a big esports fan. I love esports. I used to compete and watch and all this stuff. And I knew Bravo, of course, who was the community manager at the time, and he was my manager. And so, you know, I just got organically kind of like involved in everything. And we were we were so scrappy back then because we were just the community team, but it was like everyone's like part-time job to also help out in esports. So like everyone kind of had to chip in on the community team to make esports happen back then. And then I got involved in like helping out with the MCC stuff. I used to like uh I used to run some like play tests and be like a play test coordinator for um different parts of the game as it was like coming up. Bravo and I used to help a ton on like just like playing the old games, giving feedback to the developers, just like Bravo and I used to grind out so many nights at the studio, just like 
you know, grabbing a new MCC build, seeing what was changed. Hey, BR shooting too fast in Halo 2, or, you know, and we did a lot of work with uh, certain affinity on Halo 2 Anniversary 2 and give feedback on things there as the maps were coming together and all this stuff. So we were super involved. And, um, and then once HCS came out, um, like that's when I really kind of left like the community support stuff behind and was focused on, I was like running social media at the time uh i was still actually supporting like mcc launch and then also hcs like helping get that off the ground and that was that was a ton of effort from a lot of different people including partnerships with esl and twitch um and then yeah let's see so from there 2015 now yeah i just became like community producer so i was a contractor and then i got flipped to full-time uh year after and at that time yeah it was more like helping run esports stuff and um trying to think specifically what i was doing i was doing a lot of like the competition related stuff i was writing a lot of our blogs at the time like we used to have like recap blogs and i would just like write a bunch of those back in like 2015 um and then it was gearing up for halo 5 so halo 5 was coming out and yeah this is when xbox team decided they wanted to run the halo world championship and so my job there was to just like try to make sure everything went as smoothly as possible and supported that team as best as i could while in the background trying to help out with you know whatever would come after um so that was yeah 2015 going to 2016 2016 I think um I'm trying to think when we officially got the esports team I feel like it wasn't until like later 2017 so yeah, at that time I was still doing like split community duties and esports duties but it was definitely becoming more and more esports as time went on and I think it was like later 2016 is when I was like 100% focused on esports stuff um and at that time it was like you know working with esl very closely supporting you know as as much as i can what what they were kind of doing with the program and working closely with them and then uh yeah going 2017 is when you know really with that halo world championship that kind of is now in infamy these days um after that the studio really kind of took a hard look at itself and said like hey, if we want to, like, do esports legit, like, we need an esports team, and we they need a budget, and we need to, like, basically, like, take control of the program and everything going out there. So that happened in 2017, basically right after all of that. And my manager, Elizabeth, uh, who is a total unsung hero, by the way, like, you want to talk about how esports had their own team and budget and started working with MLG again? Like that's all Elizabeth, and yeah, she's incredible. She's still my manager to this day. But um, yeah, from then on, then I was like the esports producer and like focused on esports stuff. And my job was to kind of work on our formats and you know assist in some of our plans and. Um, just try to make sure that everything we did was, you know, as high quality as it could be. And then 2018, 
let's see 2018 i guess then i was lead producer i don't even remember now but that was all like making sure all the events we had with our partners so mlg world championship uh gfinity events dreamhack like yeah i was there to make sure like everything was you know as good as it possibly can be um as the lead producer and uh i started getting kind of more and more involved in kind of the longer term planning and then also contributing from like a broader program perspective so like creating hcs grassroots and getting that off the ground um and then now kind of transitioning into the esports lead and building out and taking lead on building out all of our um halo infinite program and growing the team and hiring people and yeah so that's kind of been the last few years is just working on the halo infinite esports program and then now these days which is more recent is um i am leading kind of figuring out what our strategy is and executing on that for a broader viewership for the franchise uh, on top of esports stuff so that's kind of an exciting new venture that i'm heading up and that's really focused on live viewership um and of course is in partnership with tons of other teams in the studio but yeah that's uh that's the story and that's where i'm at today sorry that was super long-winded wasn't it no it's okay because i don't feel like a lot of people know that that's where that originated from and where you are now uh you hinted in there that you used to compete at an amateur level yeah well, so, let's okay, let's talk about that. What'd okay. you compete in? Uh so let's see. I first so when I was playing against my friends in Halo One, I was like, hey, I'm pretty good at this because I was like starting to be better than all of them. And then Halo Two came out on Xbox Live and I started getting wind of like the Ogre Twins and MLG and like, oh, people compete in this. Like, oh, I'm pretty good, you know? Like, I want to stack, see how I, my thing has always been like, how do I stack up against the best of the best? I just wanted to kind of measure myself against them and try to get better. Wait, who are the, who are the Ogre Twins? Who are they? they oh. They're <laughs> clearly, oh, I heard that one of them is not like one of the best. So, I mean, that's, that I don't know where you heard that. I don't fucking know either, man. Shit. <laughs> Sounds like bullshit to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in Halo 2, I was just like a warrior. Um, I just tried to get as high up as I could in the um, in the hardcore playlist and then try to get into as many like custom game lobbies as I could. And really, I was just playing against like other amateur players, uh, even like Nighty Night. Like Nighty Night is actually, me and him used to play Halo 2 back in the day, years ago. Same with like this guy, iMorbid, Final Hunter... Um, I had a lot of old, like, competitive friends in the Halo 2 days, and we didn't, like, go to events back then to compete. We just, like, tried to be our best online and custom games, you know? We were, like, a, f a fake team. Um, the first event I did go to was the MLG Playoffs 2006, um, and I didn't know anything about how to register and play. I walked up, and I was like, hey, can I play in the FFA? And they're like, no, dummy. Like, registration's closed, like, as of whenever it was. They didn't actually say that, to be clear. I, but I hope I was, they, that would have been so funny. I was clearly an idiot for thinking I could just walk up and be like, hey, this tournament, I want to play in it. But, um, so I just spent that whole weekend watching, and that was really cool for me, because I'd, you know, I'd watched tournaments online at home, and... I played against some of these guys in matchmaking and got in a taste of like how good they are. And now they're like 
five, ten feet away from me, like playing in this incredible tournament. And I was a huge Final Boss fan, and I I actually have this old footage on my YouTube of like this crappy little handy cam that I had where I was filming like the ogres playing and carbon and stray ripping and it's like that you know just unforgettable experience that i had back then um and then let's see halo 3 halo 3 is where i kind of actually started to get good at halo i got up to 15 mlg playlist i would like play with and against some pros and like actually beat them that's why i used to play like, game battles and stuff like that too I think Halo 3, because I grinded the MLG playlist a lot too, I had like a ton of experiences where I actually started getting like quote unquote noticed. Um, oh shit. Which was, which was interesting because my old gamer tag, New York State of Mind, when I first started like for HCS having events, you know, I would meet some of these pros who I'd been watching for years. I'm like, they'd be like, oh, you know, you played, you competed. I was like, yeah, I was an amateur kid. They're like, what's your gamer tag? I was like, New York State of Mind. They're like, you're New York State of Mind? Like, you know who I was? Like, that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, it was total like amateur league stuff. Like, I was just playing game battles. And back then, I also, and I don't regret it, but I played with the people I wanted to play with. I wasn't like using people as a stepping stone to get into like the tightest lobbies and like try to like, you know, further myself in like alone. I like, had friends that I like to play with, random kids I met in matchmaking, and I teamed with them and helped them like get better and stuff. So that's a lot of what I did. And then uh, Reach came out, and I actually went and competed at my first event as a team, like a proper MLG event. We got, I think, top 64, but it was like 90-something teams, so it's not that big of an accomplishment. <laughs> I think we went like 2 and 3, or no, 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 3 and 2, something like that. We obviously did not lose three times because it's a double elimination tournament. So I think we went three and two. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was uh, Orlando 2011. I think actually Lethal's team won that event, Infamous. Um, but that was really cool because, um, actually, funny story, one of my teammates was Lethal's local. So we got to, uh, we got to scrim Infamous on Reach oh, before shit. the event. <laughs> And it was like a huge deal for me because like, oh my, this is a real scrim against pro players. I remember hearing that I think APG was on the team. I remember hearing them like not take it seriously. Like they were just like, I'm not even wearing head headset. And I'm just I was so upset, dude. You have no idea. <laughs> I was like, this is my chance to play against the top pro players in a real scrim with my actual team. This has never happened for me before. And they're not taking it seriously. And I don't blame them because they were like way out of our league, but I was like, I was just so pissed um anyway that event was a lot of fun um and then i went to halo 4 global championship which was actually here in seattle this is why i was still living in new york and i like signed up you could play in the ffa there and like if through a miracle run you could qualify for the main event i remember my first game i had like legit and like snipe down or something it was like crazy i was just like okay this game is over <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty rough um but yeah, that's my like competing. I was just a total like amateur GB kid. So are you gonna are you gonna call out Lethal and APG now for not taking your scrim seriously? Yeah, I, I probably feel like this did it. This is your opportunity right now. No, I don't know. It's I probably already did say it at some event like years ago. But no, those are good guys. I'm not gonna call them out. <laughs> All I was right, a total well. am kid. <laughs> 
Hey, you, you, you shot you, 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 yeah, you shot your shot, right? That's the phrase I'm looking yeah. for. Fuck it. Yeah, there you go. Um, also, I had no idea you used to compete. That's fucking rad. Um, all right. So as the Halo Esports lead for 343, we can only imagine the amount of meetings and conversations taking place in order to run a tight ship, as you mentioned previously. This must lead to an abundance of note-taking and event tracking in order to keep things straight. As an avid lover of mm. bullet points myself, mm. I find the bullet journal method fascinating. Have you been sticking with this method, or have you found an alternative that works better for you? Uh, so I have not. Um, let's see. So for me, I um, historically am not like the most organized person. Like typically like producers like traditionally are super organized they like can't live in a world that's not organized they have to track everything like that's what makes like a great producer they just have to like track everything and and make sure everything's taken care of and so when i started at 343 you know i quickly learned that like hey this was not a strong suit of mine so i need to really like level up and this was always my take like at once I got to 343 is like I have to really like constantly be stepping my game up even if I got a promotion or whatever it just meant I need to step my game up even further because you know even today the people I work with are incredible they've been in the industry for well over a decade have all this experience and I have to make sure that I show up well you know on behalf of Halo franchise with all of our partners and and whatever so I've always like try to take my weaknesses and make them strengths. And that was certainly one of them. So when it comes to like being organized and producing and tracking stuff, yeah, the bullet journal helped me for like my daily tasks where I needed a method and a process to basically review my workload each day um, and be able to track what I was working on and cross out the things that were irrelevant, add things that were more urgent, transfer things from one day to the next, and be able to, at a glance, look at my workload and know, like, do I have enough time to do all this for today? What do I need to prioritize? So the bullet journal helped me there. And then I built out all these other processes for the team to be more organized as well. And we we used to use, like, OneNote a lot which is Microsoft's like note taking tool. And I built like the system where it's just like a stand up meeting every day where we go through all of our tasks. And we used to have this tracker where we looked at everything. And I built this like event tracker thing where it was like, you took an event and you broke it over three months of production and you had first month tasks, second month tasks, third month tasks. And then you used to review it every month. Anyway, I just like spent a ton of time learning about this stuff because I was like, if I'm going to be the producer on the team, and eventually want to like be the lead, like I need to put in the work and like really learn this stuff. So I like bought books, watched a ton of videos, like just try to learn from other producers in the studio. I was like, I need to turn this into a strength. So that's where like bullet journaling became one of the things that I did. But now Divian is kind of like the main person on the team who keeps us all organized and God bless him because he's amazing at it. He is so good. And we use Smartsheet as kind of like our internal tracking tool. But that's what I use now to track my daily tasks. I don't I don't really use um, like a physical notebook too much anymore. It's mostly digital. Um, but yeah, bullet journaling for a while was 
it helped me a ton like get through these like really critical years uh but now i use smartsheet and kind of rely on the tools that the team uses so awesome yeah. what's one of your biggest takeaways working within the competitive halo scene and for 343 biggest takeaways um Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway, and I wouldn't say it's necessarily like something new or was eye-opening, but the the importance of like doing everything in a collaborative way. So when it comes to working with players and fans, like you need to collaborate with them to make sure that you know, you have a good format and you're taking care of them from a rules perspective. The events are a good experience. People enjoy playing the game and the different modes and settings like that is a total collaborative process. Um, it doesn't work if we just like shut the world out, do what we want to do, and that's it. So like, our, especially like for the esports team and what I try to like, you know, um, set as our north star is everything we do like we are here to service the community service our partners like it's not about us so if we're not collaborating if we're not taking in feedback if we're not listening to players and what they're talking about or our teams or tournament operators like it doesn't work so really like it's thinking about everyone as uh part of this like broader network and community that we need to collaborate with so like yeah i guess that's probably the biggest one is like how important collaboration is and like players and fans are one part of it obviously in a really critical part um, but also as we were building out like what hds looks like for halo infinite it was working with tournament operators and getting feedback from them from teams getting feedback from them and even like i mean a lot of the people that we talk to at you know, various trade shows or even like one-off phone calls, like they contributed directly. Like they could look at the like program and say, oh, this thing is in there because of this feedback that I gave to Tashi. You know, like I actually remember when that meeting happened and he had that aha moment. And like, that's something, that collaboration is something like we as a team take pride in because that is like the only way we succeed is like close collaboration with everyone that we're really doing this for so say that's the biggest takeaway and same goes for like internal partners like we work with a lot of teams internally community team transmedia development team marketing uh insights like we work with so many different teams that support esports like it's important to like get their feedback on things and collaborate with them and uh see their perspective and like we all kind of contribute so that's my biggest takeaway how important collaboration is for everything. That's awesome. And it's, it's good to get that confirmation that you guys are wanting to work with everyone within the community and listen to everyone within the community as well, because there's been, I mean, as you're probably well aware as well, during the competitive streak of Halo five, there was a lot of discussion around radar oddball, mm -hmm different maps coming into play so on and so in other settings as well ground pound being removed all that so it's yeah it's it's good to know that you guys are listening even further now especially when infinite's just around the corner so um yeah for sure 
Let's see here. So from one of our community members, uh, Davey Wavy, Heavy Rainfall, he asked. Hello, Davey Wavy, Heavy Rainfall. Yeah, that's right. Tasha said, Davey Wavy. Uh, what is one of your proudest, fondest mo- uh, memories from your time at 343 so far? Besides the besides the trip for Xbox Fan Fest. Yeah. Um, proudest. Uh, let's see. I think 2018 World Championship. Uh, oh, man, one. now that I think about it. Yeah, there are more, but that one sticks out because that was, like, for us, like, our redemption story, you know? Oh, like, 2017, know. <laughs> yeah. 2017 was not what it should have been. And so from there, we kind of, like, took control back and did things that did things the way that, you know, we felt needed to be. And it allowed us to really work with partners in a better way um, because neither side was really set up for success going into that world championship. So I'm not trying to like pass blame, no. but it was a product of like a, it was just a product of a bad deal, honestly. And so 2018 was like a, yeah, it was our road to redemption. And yeah, my opinion was the the best Haley sports event, you know, up to that point. Um, and then the other one on a personal note though that I'm really proud of is South by Southwest. Oh yeah. That was like the first time where I got to kind of like from top to bottom like be the creative and the lead on an event. So, you know, the big team battle, the Microsoft store stuff, the snipe down versus lethal match. Um, yeah, all, all of that, like wacky fun, but awesome stuff. Um, and like the content who the talent were. Yeah. That was like the first time where I got to say like, okay, this is what an event like that. I would like to do, you know, that I, and not because like, Oh, this is what I would like. It's because I think this will this is new and I think it'll resonate with our community like nothing ever has before. And you know, I think seeing the response to that was like extreme validation, not for me personally, but for the ideas and the community's growth into like expanding their horizons and liking things that they didn't know they were gonna like, you know? And that was like exciting to us. I'm so glad you brought up South by Southwest because Will and I, when that event happened, the HTS Invitational, um, with the big team battle bonanza, uh, <laughs> that was easily, when we were watching that happen, we had that exact same thought. It was, mm. this is what these of this is what HCS events should be in the future. This is exactly the type of shit that needs to exist. These callbacks to rivalries that happened with the lethal um, and snipe down shit, which was a crazy storyline that we haven't seen a lot in the HCS. Right. And mm-hmm. then the fucking um, was a golden boy in Walshy in the, yeah. in the big team battle. Yep. Yeah. It's, and just, there was not a lot of down downtime that took place. And when there was downtime, there was content to fill it. It just, it was so cohesive. It felt so well done. It felt laid back. It just, 
It was a great event through and through. So thank you and thank the entire team yeah. for putting that on. That's exactly what we've been waiting for. Yeah, I really love the, the the interviews in between as well. Stuff you normally didn't see at a normal HCS event. So mm. it was really, that content was great. Yes. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Love that you guys loved it. Yeah, that was a, uh, yeah, that was awesome event. And yeah, I'm glad you noticed the downtime because that was a really big, we need to kill downtime. And it was like, rushing players hey you can't bring your book bag on stage you have to grab your controller get on stage plug in we're playing it was like chop chop and like same with production like hey we need to be quick host and people on the desk wrap up your point we're getting to the game like it was super tight so i'm glad i'm glad you guys noticed that because that was like a big effort to make sure downtime was reduced well if there's one thing we notice even more so and like not trying to be an ass, but like when you, when you watch these other events that take place and during these down, during this downtime where you just have like a, a, a downward camera of a city or just a be right back screen, like that just takes you completely out of the experience and you don't yeah. know when they're going to come back. Obviously technical difficulties happen and it, those things just happen, but it, it just, it completely takes you out. I want to go tune in somewhere else. It's just, mm-hmm. so you're right. It, it was, it was fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so you've penned the designing the Halo Esports ecosystem blog since the beginning of 2021, bringing an easy-to-digest behind-the-scenes insight into how the, he- the Halo Esports ecosystem is developed and maintained. With Infinite releasing on December 8th, 2021, is the intention to keep this blog series or a variation of it continuing post-launch? So I think what I am thinking to turn it into is, and I haven't, fully flesh it out yet so actually i'm curious to get your guys thoughts on if you think it'd be good to go down this route where my head is at currently is you know we have a couple more blocks left until the game is out so we'll talk about like tournament operators which we haven't detailed yet we'll talk about what we see kind of fans and players like what their role sorry my phone is blowing up right now so um, what are We'll detail like what we expect fans and players. Like we get a lot of people say, hey, Tashi, I'm a big esports fan from Australia, wherever it is. Like, how can I contribute? And it's like, we're gonna have a blog that's gonna be like a checklist. Here's how you can contribute. Um, awesome. so after that, where my head is at, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on it, is I don't know if they'll be monthly, maybe, but they become like, for lack of a better term, like state of the union blogs. That it's like, hey here are the events and things that took place. Here's what went well. Here's what didn't go well and the feedback that we got. Here's what we're doing about it and or not doing about it for whatever reason, but we'll share what reasons there are. Um, here's what's, here's how we're currently assessing where things are going and any other like important kind of long-term information that needs to be shared. So like, you know, I think for the next round when we have applications open for teams, like we're going to be more public about that. So people know like windows open now, reach out to us if you want to be partnered. So that's where my head's at currently on what that block could turn into. Did you want to say? I I mean, I like the idea the flow of information keep coming out. I mean, people can have an idea of what's going on. That's we've seen it pretty consistently from three, four, three with keeping the community updated on what's happening uh, with, with all the other blogs going on. So I, I feel like it fits right in line. Something that Will and I continually talk about on the show uh, is that it's it's true. 343 in general has done a great job on the MCC side, on the Halo 5 side, and now what appears to be on the Infinite side with everything that's been going on there. 
releasing consistent information and not just all the happy-go-lucky shit, but like the really deep dive, hey, this is what we learned from this technical preview. This is why shit was fucked, and this is what we fixed. This is what we can't fix until post-launch, yeah. so on and so forth. And for better or worse, people people may think of that as, I mean, there's still people out there that think that it's not enough information. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, whatever. <laughs> it's, it is information that's coming out, and you don't see a lot of developers doing stuff like that. So... In terms of the HCS in general, absolutely. I think something like that would be very helpful for this community, um, especially, and this isn't to throw shade at anybody, but you hear, and I know you've heard it, but the dark days of Halo Esports uh, at tail, towards the tail end of Reach going into Halo 4, all that stuff, and then during the Halo 5 scene, there were quote-unquote dark days as well. And I think more communication as to everything that's going on, good or bad, good and bad, is going to be helpful no matter what because it gives people context as to what the hell is even happening. And mm-hmm. it, it leaves less room for interpretation if you're giving the information, being like, no, this is exactly the reason why. Here's what we're doing to improve upon it. So that there you go. That's what we have. Cool. Well, yeah, glad you guys like it. Um. Yeah, we'll see exactly what information we do share. Some ideas in my head are like our assessment on like how the viewership is, because viewership is obviously a really critical thing. Like, do we think this is good viewership? Is this bad? What do we want to change and do and all this stuff? I think, and this is really an important part of what this like these ecosystem blogs have been trying to do is like at times each person as like a part of the ecosystem. So a player, a fan, a player from a certain region, a tournament operator, like they think of kind of their bubble as the most important thing. And like, it's hard for them to kind of see how we, as the people in the middle of this, are getting pulled in all these different directions because not everyone has the same exact goals. What the players want is not 100% the same as what the fans want. It's not 100% the same as what the teams need for their businesses. And so it's up to us to try to like navigate all this. And I think what we need is an, is understanding from everyone in the ecosystem that, hey, we're going to make some decisions that certain groups are not going to like. But it's for the overall health of the ecosystem. And so it's like, oh man, this map is coming out of rotation. Damn, I really like this map. But hey, this new one that maybe I don't like as much, like it's important that there's a new map so fans have something new to watch and, you know, it's exciting and drives more introspect to the game. Like there's going to be those moments where whatever part of the ecosystem you're from, you almost need to like see the bigger picture um, and make peace with that. And so that's been a big part of what this blog series is doing is like showing to the community that there is a bigger picture and it's huge and it's all really important too. Because, yeah, you know, players are at the, like, we make games, and it's games are for players, and players are at the center of that. But players aren't the only ones, right? Um, So for esports to be a successful ecosystem, like, we need to try to make all of our different customers, right? Players, teams, fans, tournament operators, sponsors, like, we need to try to make them all happy. So we're getting pulled in all these different directions, and it's like, a near impossible it's impossible to make everyone happy all the time so it's us trying to you know think about 
what is the best for the sport long term? How do we keep this going? So there aren't any more more of those dark days like you guys mentioned because like you mentioned the Halo Reach runs and Halo Four like. I was in the community part in those times. Like I stopped competing in Halo Four because it didn't have a ranking system. It wasn't competitive like I wanted it to be. Like, you know, I lived through those times too as a fan. And like that's when I started getting to like Forge and like doing other stuff in the community. So like like I know from firsthand experience, like I want to avoid all that stuff. And I think now I'm trying to like provide that perspective to everyone in the community where it's like, hey, you need to think about more than just yourselves and your experience. Like, if you really want this, like, to continue and thrive and grow, like, you need to take everyone's perspectives into consideration. And, you know, if if you see us kind of make a decision that you think flies in the face of growth for the scene, like, call us out. Give us that feedback. And we're going to share our thinking and, and the whys in all of our blogs. But, you know, I think we need everyone to be mature and understand that, like, the world doesn't revolve around just them. Wait, really? That's that's bizarre. I, I feel like half of Twitter thinks it does revolve around them. But that's the, the, the big thing. Two things real quick is that I think you added another uh, key takeaway, and that's communication as well, because that's what we've clearly been hearing a lot of is a lot more communication. So thank you for that. And then also, uh, when you mentioned for people to give you that feedback, let me just give a PSA to everybody out there that may be listening and or watching to this. Hey, if you're going to give feedback, do it respectfully, okay? <laughs> Don't be a piece of shit. We see it all the time. We just touched hands. <laughs> we did. That was awkward, but it happened. Just be respectful. Just ruined the whole bit. It's be not awkward respectful. at all. <laughs> uh, that's right. Shit. You know, it's funny, though, because we, now we okay. can't play footsie underneath the table yeah. because we're not sitting across from one another. So... Now it's got even more awkward. You guys, I believe in you guys. You guys can figure it out. Oh, yeah. thanks. Thank you so much. <laughs> God damn it. Um, all right. Then, you know what? On the topic of, on the topic of information, like relaying information and how we should act as a community. Um, this yeah. is from Beth, uh, high tech redneck, one of our other community members. She oh, is huge. I love her. Yes. She's amazing. Uh, she asks, what is one thing that you wish us, the community would understand when we voice feedback and or criticism? Good question. Let's see would understand when we voice criticism. Um, yeah, I guess the thing that's important to understand, and I think this comes from us kind of being transparent and setting that expectation is we, a lot of times we will see feedback even before it comes directly to us. Like we can kind of almost like read the writing on the wall. Um, and Sometimes we won't be able to do anything about it uh, for whatever reason. I can't even think of like a really great example right now. But like, here's an example from like Halo 5 days. Players would complain about something. We weren't able to make an adjustment because, you know, at the time, like dev resources had gone to Halo Infinite and we weren't going to be releasing any more patches for Halo 5. So, like, literally, there's nothing we could do about it. And we need to that's on us to communicate that transparently and set those expectations. But I think it's important for the community to like understand that and like understand that we have kind of the best intentions in mind. Like we're not trying to get one over on the players or the fans. Um, we're not trying to like 
just do what we want to do and that's it. Um, you know, I will say at times, like it has definitely seemed like that. And I know, I think players and fans have had back in the day, like that criticism, I think was justified. But I think especially on the esports side, like like I said earlier, like we're here to service everyone else in the ecosystem. So I think it's important for fans to like almost at times like give us the benefit of doubt in terms of our intentions. Um, and I know like, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but you know, and hold us to our actions and whatnot, but like sometimes we get criticism that's just like you guys only care about this. You just want this. It's all about money. It's all, it's like all this like wacky stuff that we never even like think about or talk about internally. It's just like, where did this come from? Like what? Um, so I think that's, that's one thing. And then that comes with like, again, like us being transparent. And that's why I like, I like to do shows like this and like be active on Twitter is like, Hey, I'm just a person from the community as well. Like you guys have heard the story now. Like I'm just this like kid who lo- fell in love with Halo and, I wanted to have as big as an impact as I could on Halo and everyone we have on the esports team like loves Halo. And yeah, we just want to like see this scene and this game grow and be awesome. So we're all on the same page, you know, we're all pushing in the same direction. So I don't know if that's a very clear answer, but that's where my head went. It's okay, guys, if you're if you're going to try to throw shade at Tashi on Twitter, just remember he's an AM kid. Okay, just throw him some <laughs> that's slack. That's true. Yeah, just throw him yeah. some slack. I'm not a pro player. <laughs> um, oh, no, that's, I, I think that's, I think that's great. I think that's all we really can do uh, is just take it for what you guys show and say. And we'll have to, for a phrase that we say consistently on the show is we'll have to wait and see as to what happens. So, yeah. And we understand it comes with time. Like we need to earn the trust and, you know, hopefully with these blogs, we've been doing that and people see the team announcement, the the content that we've been putting out on the graphics, like it's feeling like people are starting to like believe and trust a bit more and give us that benefit of the doubt. So we understand that we need to earn it as well. For me, the biggest thing is when you release the blog posts, it doesn't just stop there. It's when, when we talk about communication, I see you consistently going out there, finding uh, questions that people are asking and you're replying immediately with like, hey, this is what I can talk about, this is what I can't talk about, but I'm trying to give you the best information I can. And I think that that goes a bare, a major step in the right direction towards getting back on that good side, right? It's that you're out there, as you say, but we see it. You are actually out there answering questions, being there for the community, and just being supportive. And that's all that we can really ask for. So, um, all right, let's move on to some general HCS questions, Tashi. General HCS. Yes. Oh, oh wow. That was so oh, okay. That that's was a corny. That's one of my go-to corny jokes. Oh my like people, God. people ask like, well, we'll be on calls with esports engine. And they'll say, Tashi, any general updates for the meeting? And I'll say general updates. It's very corny, but I find it amusing. I died I, a little bit inside. I, I find it amusing. See, it lighten the, it lighten the mood. See that we're already in a better mood. You're welcome. <laughs> I thought we lightened the mood by hand touching earlier, but I mean, I guess that was just awkward. So Maybe you, you know, guys, I, did, I wasn't part of that, unfortunately. I could reach so. through the camera and touch you, Tashi, if you'd like. That sounded even more awkward. <laughs> okay, so moving on. While we uh, actually, Will, do you want to read this question? Go for it. Sure. I basically I, just told you, hey, yeah, to ask yeah, this yeah. question. <laughs> While we patiently await the announcement of maps, modes, and settings for the first Infinite HCS season, there's been a good amount of debate over starting weapons within the competitive settings. 
what has been your preference? Are you a battle rifle kind of guy, or do you prefer like a single shot DMR or a Halo Five pistol? Ah, okay. So you mean historically in competitive Halo, what have I preferred? Yeah, yeah. I'm not okay. asking you directly. Like, what is it going to be in Infinite, Tashi? Well, I'm clarifying for the audience, Josh. It's okay. I will tell the audience that they're wrong in thinking that this is something that it's not. So go ahead. Okay. Um. Yeah, my... So, like, I'm an H2 kid. It's in my blood. Love Halo 2. So, Battle Rifle is my baby. Love that thing to pieces. Uh, it's my utility weapon that, you know, lets me have a fighting chance in every situation and never lets me down and allows me to be creative and fun with it. So yeah, I'm a battle rifle kid. Uh, I do love the uh, H5 Magnum. Uh, and I think in conjunction with like the movement that you have in Halo 5, it just feels like a badass to just like thrust light around the map, like whipping this pistol around. Like it's just, it's just fun. So um, I would say second would be the H5 Magnum. And then um, the DMR would be third for me because I think I actually liked the DMR with the bloom, but I know I'm an outlier there, especially in the competitive community, but I also liked it without, but when you took out bloom, it just became this like long range sniper. Basically it was a fucking laser beam. Yeah, it was. And it honestly, like, I think if you reduce the range of the DMR and reach that game plays a whole of a lot better competitively, like, especially on some of the maps like you talk about sanctuary the remake there like you're just like destroying people from like your dmr to their sniper and it's like they can't even go on their pea shooter bridge so i think the range was the biggest issue with that with that gun so i think halo 5 yeah i'd say the h2br halo 5 magnum and then dmr Okay, so we've heard it here first, folks. We know that the reason why the BR is there mirrored is. after the Halo 2 <laughs> BR is because Tashi designed it that way. We also understand that there's going to be an updated, revamped, more powerful sidekick that will be the primary no. weapon for competitive HCS. Is that correct, Tashi? Um, no, what I was trying to say <laughs> is we're going to retroactively go back in time and put the battle rifle in Halo Reach and then run the events of the timeline from there, see which yes! universe ends up better for Halo Esports, and then we will basically um, decide which universe and timeline we want to live within. Oh, man, the HCS multiverse. I'm here for yeah. it. This is going <laughs> to be great. Um, you mentioned in a Reddit AMA from four years ago that your favorite HCS moment at that time was Noble Black versus CLG in the Loser's oh, Bracket yeah. Finals at the HCS Season 1 Finals. Does this still hold true? Or is there a new moment that stands out above the rest since the completion of Halo 5 in the HCS? Um, you're talking strictly like competitive moment, right? Yep, strictly competitive moment. Okay, so that one is still up there. Um, I would say one that comes close, it doesn't surpass it just because that was so wild. It was very um, One that comes close is... Summer 20, I think it was 2017. Yeah, summer 2017 final splice versus it would have been Optic at the time. Um, that series they had at DreamHack Atlanta, that was insane. Um, that Kali CTF game, one of my favorite Halo 5 games of all time. I've watched that numerous times since that tournament. Renegade celebrating too early, 
Uh, it was Sims and Walshy casting. They crushed it as usual. Um, insane plays from really everyone to like get clutch flag grabs out of nowhere. What's interesting is like the first six minutes of that game, I don't think anyone scored. It's pretty kind of like tame back and forth. And then it just like escalates out of nowhere. And it's like, it, yeah, it just gets nuts. Like I still can see it in my head. Frosty like gets a flag stop in their base. He's trying to recover it. Turns around, no scopes. I don't man, I forgot who it was, but he no scopes someone. Sims with the sick cast. What does he say? He says he says something like Frosty turns around, no scopes him. What is it? oh man. I forgot. <laughs> but it was sick. Anyway, Sims crushed it on that cast. Um yeah, the last second, like flag caps. This when you think renegades are about to win, someone soars in and gets a, a flag, uh, a flag pull to prolong it. There was like a stalemate for a moment. That game, that series, I think, comes close to the noble black, but that noble black one, especially that was a particularly special one. Sorry, I'm like going off about this now because you got Please me excited. Do. Please do. <laughs> um, that one was particularly special because. With MCC launch being as rough as it was, like HCS and operating that was extremely rough too. And just before the season one finals, we put out like the biggest patch that had come out for MCC at that time, which had really done wonders to fix matchmaking. I think we changed like the background loading screen, looked totally different. It was like a week before the game came out and it had like really rejuvenated the community and our everyone's spirits. So we go to PAX. It's our first time there holding this tournament, PAX East. It's our season one finals. It's like the biggest tournament that we as a team have like run with ESL and Twitch, of course. And the audience was packed. I couldn't tell you before this time when there was a bigger Halo Esports audience. Maybe, actually, Global Champs, probably. Actually, maybe not even Global Champs. Oh, shit. Like, it was packed. I mean, we had people standing in rows in the back behind the seating flooding around the sides like photos don't just don't do just that place was electric and this noble black team eighth seed like slowly working their way through the bracket coming across clg who you expect to be in the grand finals Mm -hmm. and it's one insane series and all of these like ties on the same map and it just keeps ending in a tie and it's like Oh man, it was just insane. I just remember being like, I think a lot of that tournament, I just sat like on the steps backstage where the players enter and I was just like watching from like, you could probably go back and watch some of that old footage and you see like me just like in the back there. It's just like, ah! <laughs> me <laughs> but, that uh, shit. Yeah, it was, um, that was just insane. Like 10-10, Royal 2 saves the day. Like that snipe on arcanum like he if arcanum like doesn't shoot his gun that game is over they win the series like absolutely insane um yeah and then richie hines just like howling like when they won he like gets up and lets out this like roar like the battle cry yeah it was just insane i think it was like four tiebreakers yeah fourth yeah it was insane yeah that was nuts uh, for those who have not seen it, go watch the Paradise Halo video on that series. It is phenomenal. They break down everything that happens Did they there. do one? Yeah, oh, yeah, they yeah. did. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that because I know we did one. Oh, dude, it's so good. 
Okay. I mean, not to take credit away from you guys, but like it's. it's very, I very want to see it. Yeah, go check it out. Paradise Halo. They did a video on it. It came out a little while ago. I know that, but uh, yeah, very, very, very good video. Um, awesome. So shout out Paradise Halo. Absolutely, shout <laughs> out them. Um, let's see here. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it's been a fun, albeit controversial, run of the top 25 Halo players of all time list. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know either. Ogre 11th. So while we understand this is not your list, okay, for the record, Tashi did not make the list, nor did he have a hand in making the list. We do have a couple overall questions for you, Tashi. First yeah, off, hit me. Uh, if you if you want to share, what is your personal top ten? Top ten? Yeah, top ten. Or top uh, five? If, top, or top, top five? Ten's up a to lot. You. Let's yeah. Let's go top, top five. Ten. Let's see. Uh, I have Ogre two at number one. Okay. And then I'd say yeah. I mean, for me, Ogre two is number one. I think the amount of games that he played in professionally and won, and how long he won for. It's you just can't wrap your head around it. Um, so I have him at number one. This is where it gets a little fuzzy. The next few, I have like, I think Lethal is my number two, but he's like really close to Pistola. Was also really close to like Snakebite, Snipe Down, Walshy, Royal Two, like Roy Lunch. Like that's I don't know it's hard to put exact numbers on them but like those are the names that like come to mind Ogre One I have Ogre One in my top ten Don't worry Dan I got you <laughs> Oh um, man Yeah That's my kind of half cop out answer It's it's not a cop out answer It's okay Um Okay am I Am I an idiot right now I really thought they did do a video Am I I might be wrong. Paradise Halo might not have done a video on that. On that series, that CLG. Uh... Check the Halo YouTube. Yeah, I, I know you guys. We did, did one okay, for let's... the five-year uh, five anniversary. Muggsy did one. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. And I'm, am I dumb? I'm sorry. You're not dumb. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> well, still, shout out to Paradise Halo for making great content. So, yeah, you know. it still applies. Yeah, Shout out to Paradise Halo. I honestly thought they had made one, and now I'm not seeing the video anywhere. So unless it came down for some reason. Or that Halo video was just so good that we just thought it was a Paradise Halo video. But now I feel like I'm throwing shade at <laughs> yeah, yeah. those who make now videos for the HCS, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, Muggsy is Muggs. very angry with you guys. That's what yeah, I thought. He's, yeah, yeah. he's like the chillest person ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, there you go, folks. Ogre one is in Tashi's top 10. So you don't need to worry about that. Um, I'm basically in agreement with that. I think Ogre two with his, not just like longevity is one thing, but the fact that he was so dominant throughout that longevity, yeah. that really is what solidifies him as one for me. And then lethal would probably be two as well. Um, okay. I kind of want to get the shoes. So after, we'll see. All right. So will and Tashi, Okay. Tasha, you put out that picture. Okay, with your new camera. About the Which picture. The 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 merch tease. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. So new HCS. It's a good, it's a good tweet, right? 
<laughs> you, it's a good photo. Right? Dude, it's a good photo. I, it was a great photo, but I'm pissed that there wasn't anything else. But uh, <laughs> so new HCS merchandise has been teased. Mm-hmm. And we're all still waiting for Maddie Rums to release his upcoming noob combo merch. Hey, Maddie, where the fuck's Wait, the merch? You, you didn't get anything from... I got something from... We, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Are you I'm talk- kidding. I'm kidding. We, I'm have, oh, hey, okay. we, have, we have a shirt from him too, bro. Don't even... Oh, oh yeah, so, that light gray even, one? Yeah, gray one. Start, shirt. yeah, don't even start flexing. But did you right? get the joggers? Did you get the... Fuck you. Did you get the joggers? Get out of here, bro. <laughs> oh, my God. So, while we understand we more than likely wouldn't get any teases from you tonight, uh, this is another question from Dave. He asks, is there a merchandise item that esports scenes do not have that you wish existed? So- yes. Oh, shit. Oh. He has one. Go. I would love to do a. Uh, maybe they do, actually. I could be wrong, but it's not common. I want to do a, like, athletic collection for HCS at some point. Whoa, that was an earth shaking. <laughs> Announcement I just made. That table just <laughs> shook hardcore. <laughs> I smacked my knee on the on the leg. My bad. He's he Will's gonna go grab an item that Will and I both ordered. Um it's a specialty item we'll call well custom item, if you will. Okay. Um that wanna show off and like basically just gloat about for a second. But uh okay. no that the athletic collection that you were talking about, who did oh my god, what was it? Some esports organization I thought did a collaboration with, I forgot if it was Champion or. Yeah, FaZe has done stuff with Champion. Yeah. Uh, Puma did stuff with Cloud9. Yeah. G2 and Adidas. Yeah, there's been, that's been more, less like actual athletic wear. What are those? So these, I'm glad you asked, Tashi. Thank Nike you for ID? asking about this. The, yes, yes, they are, they're custom Air Force Ones. And uh, they have HPT embroidered on the back of them, too. Yeah. They're very nice. Pretty sick, right? They are. Yeah. So get your pair. I mean, just kidding. Go customize (laughs) your own pair. Get some HCS shoes. Yeah. Those are sleek. Thanks. (laughs) I thought so, too. Um, (laughs) I would love to do, and I don't know if this will happen, so don't hold me to it. Or if you're listening, let me know if you'd like it. Proper athletic wear that you would work out in. Right. I'm talking like very nice, like compression shorts. Let's do like proper yoga pants, sports bra. Like, I want like sick athletic wear that has like subtle HCS branding. Um, that's something I don't see too often. Maybe I've like, you know, given my chips away, but I don't care. That's like something I would love to do. So for the record, for those that are listening, this is not a thing right now. This is something that Tasha would love to do. So again, let him know respectfully (laughs) if you'd like that to happen. Um, all right. So personally, like I, I, I'd want that. I'd want it for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it'd be sick. It'd be fucking sick. So the HCS grassroots program has included a great breadth of tournament organizers Mm. and content creators alike, not just within the competitive space. So what does the future of the HCS grassroots program look like? Great question. So HCS grassroots has been, we really have thought of it always in like two separate tracks. You have like your content creator track and then you have your tournament operator track. And we want to like evolve and grow both of those tracks. Um, 
but they've always been kind of like I almost like want to say like restricted in a sense by being tied so directly to like HCS stuff. And obviously, like if you're a tournament operator, you're competitive, and that's like how it works. Even though we've dabbled with like SWAT Nation, for example, which isn't totally competitive, but they do different stuff. And same with like GC Halo, like they do a lot of competitive stuff, but they also do a lot of like fun stuff. So the way we want to think about it is like, how do we support kind of both of these tracks? So I can't go too much into the details, but for the competitive track and the tournament operators, the vision has always been, and we haven't had that opportunity because Halo Infinite has been baking in the oven, but the, the vision has always been that everyone, even pro players, have a story of like the first time they played Halo competitively. I used to play at my local land center. I used to play at my high school. I used to play at my wherever it was, you know? Um, and so we want to basically empower as many of those stories as we can and give them a real lead into what comes after that. So now you've had your taste. It's not just like you're this like random one-off tournament. There's like an actual path to get there to the main HCS stuff. And so it'll start slowly. We want to start with like, points like hey if you play in this grassroots event you can get some competitive points you know and it's like it's not gonna be enough points that like your pro players are gonna want to compete but it'll be enough to where it's like your first time competing you're like hey i got some hcs points this is kind of cool like let me find some other people with hcs points and maybe i want to go play in one of the online tournaments or something like that just like now you have now that you've dipped your toes in you kind of know what's next and you're kind of already on your way to what's next and then on the content creator side We've been initially focused on like the competitive, uh, competitive side, like high skilled players. I shouldn't say high skilled, but like people who play competitive stuff more. And we've been slowly kind of expanding some more stuff. So uh, we want to support more content creators than just like like people who play like hardcore settings or competitive settings. Right. So I can't share more, but we want to kind of like expand the program into that direction more so that it's broader viewership. Uh, you said you're not able to dig into it further. I'm just going to poke here and just ask is, would this mean like a rebrand instead of being specifically called HCS grassroots to just be like a halo grassroots or just a grassroots in general? Potentially we have talked about it. Um, I can't say exactly where it's going to land, but um, th yeah, that is some of the stuff that's going through our head. Perfect. Um, thank you for clarifying on that further. And yeah. all right, <clears throat> let's see. The Halo competitive scene is one steeped in tradition, culture, and memorable moments, teams, and players for 20 years. So from our residential Halo CE diehard silos, um, are there any key pillars of Halo culture that you think are important or would like to start seeing more of, like open events, for example? Um, yeah, I mean, everything we've been kind of like building for Halo Infinite is built off of that old legacy. Um, like, I'm not kidding, but literally I have a PowerPoint presentation that I share with new teams and partners, and the slide is titled, Why We Are Doing Halo Esports. And the first bullet point is says, Haley Sports has a long legacy of over 15 years. We see it as our duty to continue this legacy and help take it to new heights. I'm awesome. not shitting you. That's literally what it says. That's incredible. Uh, the second bullet point says community. 
Halo Esports has this rich community around it. We want to grow the community and unite. Like, I'm not kidding. So, like, yeah, that is, and I hope has been resonated in, like, the ecosystem we've been building out because it is an open ecosystem. It is going to be open events. There is that aspirational story of, hey, I can compete in the open bracket and potentially win the tournament. And, like, that is Halo's identity. And it was very clear when we had Pro League and we didn't have open events, community was like, F this. Like, we don't like this. So that was made super clear. So we obviously need to modernize it and we need to like grow it past what it was before. So that's why there's a lot of new different things like the partnership with the teams, for example. But um, yeah, that stuff is like the lifeblood of the scene um, and where the community kind of comes together under one roof and hangs out and plays Halo and competes. And you say compete in open events as long as you remember to register for said open right. event and not get turned away at the door. Don't be like me. Yeah. Don't get turned away. Um, and then he also, add, he also adds on to this. Is there any era of Halo that exemplified this type of culture or are there any other like competitive communities that you draw comparisons to? Um, yes and no. I think... When I look back to Halo of yesteryear, um, you know, I take this line from Sundance a lot, but he talked about how back then they were co-producing a movement. And I think that's what we're trying to do here. And that's part of what these blogs are about and part of what bringing all these people in the ecosystem together is about is let's get everyone in the community facing the same direction and pushing in the same direction, Right players, fans, regardless of what region you're from, teams, tournament operators, sponsors, content creators, if we're all pushing the same direction, like we're going to make waves as a community. We're going to grow, add more people. People are going to want to be part of it. We're going to get good viewership. Players are going to be happy. Like fans, like that's the way like we're going to be able to push this. I say why it's different from the past is that was really, I would say, smaller in scope back then, right? There were only events in the U.S. Sure, there were some teams and players that came over from other regions, and there were a couple of events here and there, but there's never really been a global program for Halo like the one we're putting together. So it's a lot bigger. Um, and the variation is a lot, right? The, the Australian scene is significantly smaller than the scene in the United States, and so we need to scope them differently and form different almost like uh parts of the program just around these specific regions so it's it's very different in that regard compared to anything else that's been in halo esports it's a lot bigger um and then compared to other games um there's not a game that i think we look at as kind of like the north star that we're like modeling after but in the program, like we're big esports fans, like watch a ton of other games, pay attention, haven't paid attention for years. So there are little things that like we have gleamed and taken from and learned from other games where we said, Ooh, they just did this, community hates it, this didn't work out, we gotta make sure we avoid something like that. Or, ooh, they did this thing that was really interesting, like we should think about what does that look like for Halo? Um and so We've kind of like taken the old Halo and we've taken the what we hope is like the best of modern esports today 
and put it into what hopefully makes the most sense for Halo as like an evolution of what it's been in the past. So there are times where we've been on calls with partners where I'll reveal a part of the program like, oh, this is kind of like that other game. I'm like, exactly. Like, that was the inspiration. And so, yeah, there's there's little bits like that, but there's not a single game or a moment in older Halo where I could point to and say, this is exactly what we're trying to do. Um, okay, I know, again, I'm, I'm going to try to poke here. Um, I know you're not able poke to... Away. Uh, perfect, thank you. Um, I know you're not able, really able to get into specifics, but our show is... Uh, really heavily emphasize on the community as a whole, right? And that not just including North America, Australia, EU, but also like Brazil, South Africa, the Asian communities as well. Is mm. Are you taking those into consideration as well in terms of the global reach for the HCS? Uh, yes. So there's a couple things here. So one is Halo 5 with the first world championship. The program there was really meant to reach as many different like players and fans around the world as possible. Mm-hmm. And it was managed by the marketing team and, and they had different goals and I'm not saying good or bad, it's just like what they needed for what they were trying to accomplish. And I feel like what we did at the time, which is kind of an unfortunate byproduct, is we set these expectations that, hey, if South Africa was part of the first world championship. Now they're going to be part of it forever. Same with like different parts of Asia. And I think we haven't done a good job of like, and we didn't back then of like properly setting those expectations. And so, you know, justifiably so the players from those regions throughout the years in Halo 5 and even today are just like, hey, what about us? Like we used to be, we used to be at the cool kids table and now we're, we don't get to be, you know? So like, right. That sucks. Like, and it breaks my heart. The other part of this is Halo Infinite is meant to be a very long term service based game. We have to, as a community and as an esport and a game, like, we have to start from a place where we have room to grow. If we come out day one with, like, hey, we're on every country and continent on the planet, we'll have billions of dollars in pricing we have you know all of this stuff like you heard it here first only... folks <laughs> <laughs> no i said if but what? if we did something like that then the only place we have to go is down right, right. so we want to make sure that you know we're, we're excited about the game that we have we think there's huge potential we'll be on pc we'll be free to play like we have things that halo has never had we'll probably have more players that launch for halo infinite than any other halo game prior so like we're confident in what we're building and we know from esports side we'll have more than Halo's ever had in the past. That doesn't mean that there's not still room to grow. So we are kind of starting from like what I would say like a more humble stance. So we want to make sure that we're being efficient and we're right-sizing the program for the different regions and prizing and the amount of teams that get travel coverage and so that you know there's room to grow and it's long term and you know hopefully after years and years like halo infinite kind of thrives into this like flourishing esport just like you see with like league of legends or counter-strike or all these games that have been around forever like they didn't all start you know with running tournaments at every country in the world you know they slowly added stuff on too so that's our approach so i think for those regions that you called out specifically to close out on this point 
this is where the HDS grassroots program is really versatile and helpful for us because we want to connect with the community members who run tournaments there or community leaders, whatever they might be, and say, hey, let's let's start out by helping you support run some local tournaments there and kind of see how that goes, see what that turns into. Is there a lot of interest there? How many teams are you getting? How many players are signing up? You know, are they playing FFA? Are they playing twos, fours? Like, you know, let's slowly start to grow something together with those folks out there. And hopefully over the long term, it kind of turns into and blossoms into something more significant. And, you know, there's going to be a slow and steady process. It starts with these small community tournaments. Maybe we eventually add in our own prizing to support those. Maybe we have our own online tournaments that start there. Maybe we take the winners and fly them out to a major event. Like it slowly starts to kind of grow from there. If we come out day one at 100, like I said, like our only place to go is down. So that's our kind of approach to all that. Thank you for that. And thank you for allowing me to poke on that. Uh, One of the big reasons why I asked that question is because uh, at an event that um, it might have been Worlds 2018, um, there was a gentleman I met there. His name is Lawrence. And he is from... um, one of the Asian communities. Oh, Lawrence, Lawrence Alper. Yeah. yeah, I met him when I did the Asia tour. Yes. So he, yeah. we talked for Things a minute. He's from Taiwan. There you go. And we talked for a minute and that was one of his concerns is that he felt like the, his region wasn't being represented. His, his region wasn't being heard. And so it's, it's great to hear you say, no, we hear you, but also at the same time, we need you to reach out. So if, if you don't mind your pin tweet on your, on your Twitter account is for TOs, sponsors, streamers, and more, you can reach out to Tashi at 343industries.com to just reach out to you personally as well. Yeah, that's why I made that email address. It's because I miss tweets and not everyone can DM me. Thank God. Because I would lose my mind. <laughs> um, you made the list, Tashi. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a good place to start. Same with halo.gg slash grassroots you know you can learn more and apply there and you know we are gearing up to bring in more tournament operators into the program leading up to infinite so you know hopefully these communities in different parts of the world start to grow and we can plant seeds there and support awesome all right let's uh we're gonna get into some more nitty-gritty stuff here so this is specifically towards like halo infinite in the hcs and again for like as an asterisk to all this Tashi is not going to be able to talk about everything and just be aware. Um, so let's talk about competitive integrity. This is something that you hit on when the cross input article Mm. came out. So since the announcement of the cross input competition in halo infinite, there's been a consistent conversation happening around competitive integrity. Mm -hmm. So from one of our, one of our community members, Brooks, he asks, uh, what place will ultra wides have, if any, on competitive play, and what the competitive balancing discussion on that particular element has looked like so far in development? So ultra wides, I mean, we're not going to be supporting ultra wides at events. Um, they're going to be standard sixteen by nine monitors. So that'll be that for events. Okay. Um, for online, we have less ability to control all that stuff and that's just the reality of and that comes with the nature of playing on pc is people have different setups you can look at any pc game and from one player to the next they're playing with reduced graphics crazier frame rates better 
graphics cards like there's just inherent kind of different experiences that comes with being on that platform so there's not a whole lot for some of that stuff that we can do and it's kind of like making those trade-off decisions of do we kind of shut off that part of the community or do we bring them on board in hopes of growing this right right and there's going to be stuff that we learn learn along the way where it's like oh this thing happened well we have to figure out how to stop that going forward and so we need to keep listening to the community we need to be agile on our end work with the development team if there are updates updates that we need to make make sure we're updating the handbook and rule book along the way so there are going to be little things that that happen and come up every game even games today who have been around on pc for over a decade and as the pc platform continues to evolve and new technology gets added like we're gonna have to account for that new stuff too so ultimately yeah it was one of those like hey we're kind of going into the wild west a little bit with pc and that's just kind of like the nature of the beast but we felt like it was worth the potential upside with all these new players and I would say even almost this like sense of legitimacy that comes to HCS because it's on PC versus at the pro level versus um, console. So yeah, those are ultimately the things that we weighed. I think Maddie asked this uh, after that blog post had released and I just want to, I, I haven't gone back and looked, but I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head. Uh, and if you're not able to comment on this, uh, that's perfectly fine. Um, do we have further information on whether or not inputs will be locked during competitive play? As in, is a player going to be able to play with both a controller and mouse and keyboard, or is it going to be input locked to one specific input that that's what you're using for the tournament, man? So um, right now, the way we're thinking about it is, and again, it could be that the first event happens and people have feedback and we change it. But right now, the philosophy is when you go into a match against another team, meaning like a series, mm-hmm. it the other team has to be aware of what the input is that they're going up against. So you can't, from game one, say, I'm going to play keyboard and mouse, and then game two, go to controller. It's like you basically declare your input for that series, and you're locked in. So, so, so no, dual Im- no dual inputs then? Like that's I can't, right. Okay, perfect. Um, so this is from another one of our community members named Zarners. Uh, he asked, considering Hello, Zarners. <laughs> he asks, uh, considering the Xbox Series X is being used for the open brackets at official HCS events, have options or are options being implemented to make the mouse and keyboard experience on console more consistent and comparable to PC? Examples of inconsistencies between the two can include additional mouse buttons, keybinds not the same on console versus PC, DPI, polling rate, what have you. So I think there are just going to be some things that the Xbox is not going to be able to do compared to a PC, which, I mean, realistically, like it's not native to that platform. So I think what we want to do is work with the Xbox team to determine what is that peripheral and, uh, or I should say mouse and keyboard um peripheral layout that is going to work the best and give the best experience and just communicate that to all the players and say hey this is what we have found to be the experience that gets you the best or most comparable to pc or whatever it is there's it's not going to be the same as pc so there's a little bit of sacrifice there that you know those players are going to have to make and that was just kind of like 
one of the necessary evils, if you will. So, yeah. All right. Um, so for this next one about player outlines, uh, a lot of talk has happened since the first technical flight that came out. Um, and now this is assuming because I don't think we have confirmation yet and I'm not asking for confirmation, but I'm assuming that spectating is in the game, um, at release for events and whatnot. So are you going to be keeping with the red and blue scheme for player outlines when it comes to competitive HCS? And the reason, one of the reasons why I'm asking is because of player POV if you're spectating and you go to a player's POV and they have different outlines selected that everybody else does, it could throw things off. Yeah. So I, you're right. I can't go too much into that. Um, but yeah, we're not going to be able to capture each individual PC for players on main stage and just like change POVs and production. Like we did for like Halo three, for example. So, cause for the exact reason that you called out, it's just like, it always looked like you're playing against one team and the scoreboards would flop and it would just be, um, it'd be impossible to watch. So yeah, we are taking into account kind of the new friend or foe system, player outline system into the broadcast experience, but that's as far as I can comment right now. Sounds good to me. So throughout the years of competitive Halo, primarily during the Halo 2 and 3 days, there was a larger showcase for the free-for-all format, you know, like the big flex for FFAs. Is this something that you and the HCS partnered organizations are looking into adding into the competitive rotation for Halo Infinite? Um, I would say yes. The reason I'm being a little slow and hesitant is I just want to make sure expectations are set the right way because a lot of people give us feedback saying oh i wish you know ffas were as big as they were and halo two days or make everyone play ffa on friday and it was seating for the 44 like mlg moved away from that and i don't think we're gonna go to the back to that either like there's not gonna be a everyone on the first day of an event is playing in the free-for-all and it feeds in directly into um the 44 and whatnot so I think for us, the way we look at FFA is it's this tangential skill to 4v4 that allows players to really stand apart and shine, which is interesting, right? If you threw all your 4v4 pros into FFA, they wouldn't they wouldn't win necessarily. Some of them would, and those players are obviously freaks. But um, yeah, Rhino, Pistola, like players like that, Frosty probably. You could throw Frosty in anything, he'd probably win. <laughs> um, but it allows for these newer players who either don't have a team or only a team of two or just like really, really skilled at free-for-all. It gives them an opportunity to shine. So I'd say the, the goals are all overall different. Like FFA for us is more of like a, it's like a, it's like a scouting ground. It's more of like a, yeah, it's like a scouting ground part of the funnel that hopefully kind of leads into 4v4, which is the main competition for Halo Esports. So we are going to have more support for FFA. Um, there is a more um, kind of fleshed out line competitively. And that's actually another big thing that we'll touch on before launch. But like from a format perspective, there hasn't been like this consistent path that there will be since like before HCS days. So once we reveal the full road year roadmap, like people will see like how everything connects even for FFA players. So, you know, it'll be 
supported in a way that I think is great. It's not going to be like the direct component of the 44 composition that it was in like the Halo 2 days. All right. Team weapon skins were introduced in Halo 5 and were a great avenue to support one's favorite team and or organization within the HCS. I well, thought so too. Yes. While we know that team skins are returning with the launch of Halo Infinite with the introduction of bundles, which with previous bundles being placed in the vault, we would like to raise a question of concern. Oh. Are team packs going to be removed from the store entirely like what occurred within Halo 5 after a period of time or if an organization leaves the, H the HCS? So there's two questions here. Uh, one is about if a team leaves and the second, or that was the second, the first is more of like, what's going to happen to these bundles? Like, as I think the question comes from like, if I'm kind of reading into it, it's a, you know, if I... If I don't buy now, will I ever get the chance to buy later? Yes, like um, the optic pack, the splice pack. You right. just can't buy them in Halo 5. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that's two different things. So the first one I would say is the primary goal of having these bundles is to give the teams who are investing a ton of money into Halo a revenue stream to recoup on their investment. So... We obviously need to offer a great fan experience in order to drive the revenue for the for the teams, but we are going to be finding a line of like what will ultimately help the teams the most financially in that regard. So, as mentioned in the blog, we're going to have multiple bundles for teams coming out throughout the year. So the idea is because there's only so much real estate on the store, you know, you can't have nine teams have a bundle each, and then when the second bundle comes out, you just like add them all up so the old ones are going to come down the new ones are going to go up will they come back in the future plan is for no right now so i would say jump on them as soon as you can um but as kind of mentioned in the blog like it's kind of the vault so maybe there's a time down the road where it, it comes back and is sold again in some way or for some retro thing who knows you know what i mean you know never say never so right now the plan is bundle one goes up when bundle two comes up, bundle one goes down. When bundle three comes up, bundle two goes down. And it's just this new offering in the store. It's like the Disney vault when the when the platinum Blu-ray edition of the movie comes <laughs> out. And it's like, oh yeah, buy this three or four disc compilation. Here you go. And then it's going to go back in the vault forever. There you go. Yeah. Um, the second part of the question was about if a team leaves, kind of like the splice case, that will still be true. So... Per the contract, if we're not, if the team is not abiding by whatever restrictions we have in the contract or the contract is null and void, like we're not legally allowed to sell their skins. So that's why these things come down. So if let's say one of our partner teams decides, hey, we don't want to be in the ecosystem anymore, whatever, we're not expecting that to happen. But if it does something like that, then yeah, the bundle can't be sold anymore. So that's why those come down. Awesome. All right. Next one. It has been said Halo Infinite will be a 10-year game and that the HCS will have that full year-long roadmap for the first year there. Um, yeah. Are there plans to continue to provide year-long roadmaps for future years of the HCS? Yes. 
Um, I mean, I don't think we'll get to a point where it's like, that was year one. Here are years two and three. It'll <laughs> yeah. probably be like one year at a time. Right. But I mean, we're expecting having the full year out there to have huge benefits for the ecosystem. So unless we get information that says this is a terrible idea or things go poorly because we've locked in our plans and we can't pivot and so we need more flexibility then yeah we're gonna keep trying to do that awesome and it sounds like the first year roadmap is still on track still on track yep okay so we have we have dates for everything already and now it's just a matter of locking in with all the different partners operating stuff around the world so yeah right now I can pull up a calendar that has literally dates from now until the world championship. And I take it you guys are always keeping into consideration with COVID-19 and everything that's happening. Yes. There. Yeah. So there are contingency plans, B's, C's and D's for how we pivot if we need to. Perfect. Um, so Hopefully not. Fingers crossed. Right. Yes. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. Um, I still need to get to my first HCS land. We're going. I know. We're, we're, hey, Tashi, I mean, where's the first event? <laughs> <laughs> Are you broke up? What'd you say? Oh, wait, what? You said if earlier? I didn't hear that. I mean, I thought we were confirming things. Um, So, <laughs> Halo Esports has had events around the world at some of the most memorable locations, including Wembley Stadium, and we, mm. we won't mention HWC 2017. Um, So, from Dave, Heavy Rainfall. Most, he, most, most viewership, by the way, of any Halo event ever. For the right reasons? Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, you're talking about that Wembley? No. You, you talking about HWC 2017? Yeah. Burbank. We from put out Dave, an article. Record-breaking viewership. I'm that, just saying. That's cra- I mean, hey, good for you I'm guys. Saying, that's fantastic. I'm just, I'm just saying that because it's easy to look at that event for, you know, the... For the venue. Bad, the bad kind of in-person experience that it was, and yeah. I think that's fair and justified. But I just want people to also keep in mind that, like, that was a great tournament to watch yes. because it was yeah. exciting to watch, you know, Envy's loses bracket run, which was like 14 games in a row or something. Like, it was exciting that the show that the players put on. Yeah. And yes. because it had, uh, yeah, it had the best viewership of any Halo event ever. Anyway, not like trying to make excuses. I've already said my piece about that event. No, it's okay. It's, it's perfectly fine. Um, and besides, the internet is the internet and likes to blow things out of proportion quite a lot. And so items can be taken out of context. Um, although the pictures of the bleachers and the balloons were funny, but that's besides the point. So Dave asks where let's go Dave. back. To, let's go back to the positive side here. Where is that dream HCS event location and why? <laughs> uh, for me personally, or yeah, I mean, it's your interview. Of course, it's you personally. Okay. Um, let's see. It, it used to be Benaroya Hall in Seattle. That's where Halo 4 Global Champs was. Mm-hmm. And it was where Valve held the International. Oh, the International. For two, International 2 and 3 were there. It is gorgeous. It is a beautiful, like, orchestra hall. Holds, like, a thousand people plus at the same time. It used to be the dream. I don't think it's the dream anymore. Because I think what we did in 2018, we couldn't do there. 
where we had everything in one kind of big space. Yeah. So dream for me is like, like a big proper arena where you see like League of Legends or Dota or Counter-Strike. Like I want a big rock and arena screaming snake bites name you know what i mean like yeah. 10 plus thousand people it's like you hear the roars from the rotunda and you run in because you want to see what just happened um there's an awesome kind of in venue experience all the way around with whatever it is different attractions things that fans can do like that's my dream it's like get halo to that point what's the place um I mean you know it'd be nuts. Go for it. I want the place. Like, like Madison Square Garden. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. That was my first thought. It's like it's gotta be Madison Square Garden. Hell yeah. 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 That'd, oh, that'd be, be awesome. insane. That'd be fucking rad. Um all right, so at the end of the most recent designing the Halo Esports ecosystem blog for August, you state, and I quote uh, we'll have more exciting news to share, including tournament and event information, competitive mm-hmm. settings, and much more, end quote. With Halo Infinite releasing on December 8th, are you able to confirm whether the HCS settings for Infinite are currently ready for launch? Currently ready for launch. What does that mean? Like, are they finished today? Yes. No, they're not finished today. Okay. Yeah. We still have some more game, some more game to develop. <laughs> We're almost okay. there. All right. <laughs> Do you have the starting weapon locked in? Uh, yeah, we have a lot locked in, including the starting weapon. Right, but there's so... like little nitty gritty stuff of like polishing the spawns and, sure. you know, where does this weapon sit on the on the map? Like, there's still all of that little stuff that's going on. Awesome. So, uh, uh beefed up sidekick. Got it. Um, <laughs> all right. And then, <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> when working through the HCS details leading up to the launch of Halo Infinite. Are you able to share a moment where you were like, I really can't wait for the community to see this shit? Um, that's already happened, or is there one that's about to happen? Which are you asking about? I Preferably one in the future, but again, if you can't share it, it's okay, I understand. Yeah, I'd say the... So I can talk a little bit about both, more so about the one that's already happened. Okay. But we knew the, the team the team announcement was going to be a big one. And that's been in the works for a long time. And I'm so glad nothing leaked, which is a miracle. Um, So shout out to the teams and also some of the players who knew for not leaking anything. You almost got those um, United skins. Almost. Almost. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one day they'll get to leak them. Maybe. Um, But but it'll be under under permission to do so. (laughs) Yeah. It would be funny if we... I won't spoil the idea, actually. Um... So that was that what we knew was a big one. Yeah. The the partner teams. Same with the input, like people being able to play on PC and cross platform. Like we knew that was gonna be a big one. And yeah, there are there are more big ones on the way that are both like game related as well as like ecosystem and tournament related stuff. So yeah, there there's more. Awesome. Tashi, that's all like the real questions that we have for you. Are you ready for some not so rapid fire i'm ready for the not so rapid fire these are great questions by the way i'm enjoying this interview so far so i appreciate all the effort that you and the community did absolutely thank you so much that that means a shit ton seriously um all right not so rapid fire here we go favorite food 
Favorite food. All right. So I'm Albanian. So my mom cooks what's called pita. It's this like dough based food. She takes this like, she takes these like little balls of dough and she stretches them into like paper thin. And then you put ingredients in the center. So she, my favorite that she puts is like some spinach. And then she rolls it up into these long like strings. And then she curls it inside of a pan and then puts it in the oven. And it's called pita. And you could put different ingredients in there. Some people like it with feta cheese. Some people like it with ground beef. My favorite is with spinach. And she puts a little bit of onion in there too. So that's my favorite food ever. That's awesome. What's your favorite movie? Pulp Fiction. Ooh. Just, are you a Tarantino fan in general? Or is that just the one that stands out the most? I'm a Tarantino fan in general. That is the one that stands out the most. It's the only movie where I can watch it start to finish or at any point where i join in and it's on and i will enjoy it and like not turn it off and yeah i've i've always loved that movie since i was a kid hell yeah favorite musical artist and or group uh you too for band um yeah just grew up like older brothers and uncles listening to you too same with like elvis presley we uh, grew up big Elvis fans in the household. My dad used to be like a wedding singer in the 70s. So he used to dress up as Elvis and sing Elvis songs. That's awesome. So, That's awesome. Yeah, I was learning how to play Love Me Tender on guitar last week. So like, yeah, always big Elvis fans. We, uh, we, I did. <laughs> Suspicious Minds, is that the song? Yeah, it's yeah, Suspicious we, Minds. On, on our road trips, we, uh, we've, we've belted that out. We're called in a trail. Can't walk out. <laughs> yes. Because I love Halo too much, baby. All right. We should keep going before right. we stop. We're going to lose listeners. No, we're going to get DMCA'd because of our fantastic uh, singing skills. So uh, what's the last song that you listened to? Uh, Let's see. <laughs> I'm kind of worried to pull it up right now. No, don't be. This is what the point is. Uh, okay, it's called Blouse by Claro. I saw you had a, I think you had a picture on Instagram of when you saw Claro live, if I'm not mistaken. Is it my I did. I've seen her a bunch of times live. Awesome. Um, yeah, she's like this indie singer songwriter. New album came out in July. It's called, what is the album actually called? Why am I forgetting? <laughs> uh, Sling. It's called Sling. Awesome. Um, album is amazing. Anyway, that's the, that's the song. Literally, I just pulled it up on Spotify. There you go. Listen to listen to the album Sling by Claro. Um, what's your favorite sport and team from said sport? Uh, baseball and the New York Mets, baby. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm just moving on. Hey, that's that's perfectly fine. <laughs> We're Minnesota sports, right? We we can't we can't talk about anything. Yeah, we here. don't win anything. I mean, our, <laughs> yeah, the WNBA the team Mets, wins so. a shit ton, which is great. And that's cool. Yeah, I mean the the Twins won a couple World Series. So that's cool. Um, there you go. Born. <laughs> right. Well, 91. I'm 92, kid. Never mind. The year I was born. <laughs> um, yeah. the, the Mets' last victory was 86. I was born in 88. So I've been part of a losing organization my whole life. But I'll tell you what. I love the Mets, goddammit. Okay, so here's the real question. Jets or yeah. Giants? Giants. Okay. Are you, do you, I don't know why. You, I just always grew up a Giants fan. It's okay. Are you a, are you a fan of Daniel Jones? Do you think he'll take you far? 
You know, I uh, don't keep up with football as much these days, so I couldn't tell you, honestly. I'll stop with the questions then. That's fine. Uh, Perfect. What's <laughs> favorite Halo game of all time? Halo 2. We already talked about that. Duh. What's okay. I'm af- I always say I'm afraid I already know what the answer to this question is going to be, but I'll ask it anyway. What's your, what's the worst Halo game of all time? Mainline Halo game. Yes. Mainline. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. And I don't want any, I don't want any of this reach before no bloom, no sprint. I want just uh, I in know, general. I know. Uh, Halo four. I knew it. Okay. Well, that's yeah. expected. Um, do you prefer? Campaign was fun. Yeah, yeah. I went back and replayed. It's not bad. It's not as bad as what people. The internet needs to calm down. Um, it'll never will. I mean, it did have a lot of Destiny One ghost vibes, where you just insert Cortana or the ghost into multiple mm. things. Uh, asymmetrical or symmetrical maps? Symmetrical, because midship's my favorite map ever. Oh, and midship God. is symmetrical, so by default. <sighs> You don't like that answer? No, I just take it that you're in the conversations where it's like, oh, we got to remake midship in every Halo game. So let's put this is, in Halo okay. 5. I, I enjoyed Hold truth on. in Halo 5. <laughs> My personal opinions don't reflect what we would necessarily do for the game. So, yeah, I may like midship, but if I feel like it's not the best avenue for the game, I'm not going to recommend it. What's the worst Halo? What's the worst midship remake? Worst, worst midship remake. Yeah, least favorite. No, I gotta say worst. <laughs> Wait, you mean are you talking about now like truth and what was the one from Heretic? H3? Heretic? Yeah. You're saying out of those? Is Reaches considered a midship remake or no? I even forgot what the midship one. I mean what the what the reach was called. Zealot. No, it was it was inspired by midship, but it's not a midship remake. Okay, so let's just say then. I mean, could you also include regret from Halo Five? Uh, I think you're one step two removed now. Okay, so, so let's just say, say let's just say that. out of the two then. Out of the two, uh, well, Heretic is more faithful, uh, yeah, so it is yep. it is it is better in that sense that it's closer to the actual midship. But I think what plays best for the game that it's in, I think Truth plays better in Halo 5 than Heretic does in Halo 3. Okay. And I think the plasma grenades, it's an interesting part of Halo 3. I think it gets tiresome after a while. And I think with how good the Halo 3 BR is in MCC right now, it makes that map more snowballing, difficult to play. So I would say Halo 5 Truth. Okay. Um, And then there have been a ton of other maps inspired by Midship. Like forge maps, like sure. onslaught is inspired by midship. So right. it's like, what was that? Onyx from Halo Four competitive, and there was another Halo Four competitive. Like a lot of maps, even through Forge, that have been used competitively, have been heavily inspired by midship. Midship's just the best map ever. <sighs> Man, what's your favorite map ever? Well, I'm gonna get a lot of fucking hate for this. Though. There's only one acceptable other answer. Oh my god. Okay, let me ask you first, what is that other acceptable fuck answer? Out. Oh fuck, come on. <laughs> wow. Spoken like a true Halo 2 kid. Uh <laughs> No, my, on my side here. Personally, my favorite this is coming from an H3 kid. Uh my favorite is believe it or not Construct. I love the I love the verticality to that map and the different levels associated with it and the different type of 
fights that can be engaged on that map because of it. That's yeah, yeah. Personal. Construct's a good map. Yeah, also, I wouldn't put it in my top twenty-five though. Oh, oh my <laughs> god! Also, a big pit fan. Love the pit. Oh, the pit's all time great, right there. Absolutely. Will, what's I was hoping what's you were going to say the pit. Oh, oh uh, yeah, uh, Halo Five kid here. Um, Coliseum and Truth. Love Collie. Collie's an all time great. <laughs> um, although I get stuck on geometry a lot on that map. I'm just bad though, so that's just on me. But I love the way I love the way that map just looks. Collie just looks phenomenal. Yeah, it's um, an awesome map. All right, what's the best place for food in Washington? The best place for food in Washington. Um, there's this Indian place called Kanishka in Redmond. It's incredible. I don't know if it's the best, but uh, it's really good. It's the best according to you, and that's all that matters, Tashi. In this moment, yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll go have some this week. There you go. Um, what's your favorite video game of all time? Uh, Halo 2. Before that, I would say A Link to the Past, Zelda. Awesome. Um, what's your least favorite video game of all time? And no, it doesn't have to be Halo 4. Least favorite of all time. Yeah. So this is one that I played but really just hated. Yeah. Oh, man. The hell? I couldn't even tell you. Um, That's why this is the not-so-rapid-fire segment. <laughs> yeah, this is such a random question. <laughs> um, well, it's just like I don't hate anything. It's like... I have to pick a game that I've played but strongly disliked. Come on, let the rage flow within you, Tashi. Oh, I don't have any rage these days. I feel great. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think through all the game. Let's try to think like old school. Was there like an N64 game? Okay, I got it. Go for it. Castlevania 64. I was a big Castlevania fan for Super Nintendo. Super mm-hmm. Castlevania 4 is one of the best games ever was really excited for castlevania 64 i still remember we went to rent it at my local video game rental store it's called video box office in mayo pack new york shout out to video box office um awful game yeah apologies to any of the developers if they're listening but that game was such a letdown for such a big super castlevania fan but see uh, on the flip side, bring it to a positive note because I've been focusing a lot on negative things. Uh, is that with uh, the games done quick live streams that they've been doing, uh, like mm-hmm. the two major ones a year? Um, they just had a Castlevania '64 run in the really? in the latest. Yeah, they did. So you can, and I'm I'm not going to get this wrong because I'm not, I'm not going to screw up the Paradise Halo thing. If you go to the Games Done Quick YouTube channel, I am pretty damn sure that they do have a run of Castlevania '64. Um, from the most recent GDQ event that took place. Very cool. And, well, uh, props to whoever ran that. Yeah, it's something. It's something. Um, I just remember being so, and there, I remember there being like a maze with like these minotaurs, and oh, it's yeah. that. I mean, some games just don't make that good transition right away to a 3D space, and yeah, it's true. That was that was one of them. I um, think Mega Man also had a hard time transitioning. Oh boy. Yep. Um. Who's an unknown player you expect to do big things in Halo Infinite? Unknown. Uh, let's see. Or up and coming, whatever you prefer. Yeah. A couple different names are floating across my mind. Uh, one is Septify. 
Good player. Um, another is those French kids. Like, who's a legend and I think Sika. SLG. SLG's been around for a while. He's been, he's right, been definitely on the top of that scene. That cartel yeah, on roster. His squad. Yeah. And then I'm going to say Barcode in Australia. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That's a good pick. I think now is his time. Like, he's old enough now. And he's a proper H five kid. I think uh I think he's gonna be the probably the best in Australia. Hell yeah. Uh and then I feel like I gotta say someone out of Latam. Cause I hit every other region. Uh hmm. Atso Drift. Those guys have been at it for a while. I don't know if You're there's right. anyone kinda on the come up. I mean, I Ooh. think those guys will continue to like make waves. We'd have to go back and look at like the pro series events that took place. Yeah. There's definitely some there. Um, I think we've already mentioned this, but I'll just ask for clarification. Your favorite Halo team of all time. Halo team. Oh, it's gotta be just the 07 final boss. That's Ogre classic. one, Ogre two, Walshy, strong side. I mean, whew, love those guys. You mean Ogre 11? <laughs> no, I said Ogre one. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Um, your favorite Halo event of all time, and I have a feeling it might be, unless you have a different answer from before. Favorite Halo event of all time. Um, yeah, let's see. I mean, I want to say South by, because that one was special to me. Yeah, yeah. But it also didn't have like a big open bracket, which is like, you know that knocks it down a few points in my mind. Um, dun, 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 dun. You know, Atlanta 18 was pretty awesome because we had the Halo 3 throwback and that was super cool to see MCC and Halo 5 together. Right. And then Roy and Flamesword and doing that part on the show. We freed T2, which was a <laughs> really fun surprise to keep. Like, oh my God. <laughs> a Lottie. Can we talk about how Lottie just killed that reveal? Oh, absolutely. It was amazing. Absolutely. Shout out to Lottie in general. She kills it. She's been killing the CDL. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Lottie's awesome. All right. Um, I want, oh my God, that free T2 that it was, it was always wondered upon like why he got put in jail in the, in the first place. And then he just, he just gets, there he is. It's fucking T squared again. Um, but yeah, that, that was phenomenal. Um, he okay. killed that cast too. Oh, that was really does, good. Does he? He's so not. funny. Um, <laughs> who's your favorite Halo player to watch? Halo player to watch. Um, can be competitive. Can be just normal content creation. Um, I would say Frosty. I think when you watch Frosty's POV, you just feel like something you've never seen is going to happen. And it's just like, it's like super special to watch him play. Him and Shotzi revolutionized how the way Halo 5 is played. Yeah. Um, Halo. Yeah. Halo. Halo. All right. Where are you going to be playing Halo Infinite? On the family of Xbox consoles or PC? Um... I'll probably play on PC. Yeah, my PC, I have a 2080 
in here. I should be good to run it. I do have my Series X right there as well. So, um, yeah. I'll probably play it on both. Just like, to, like, make sure. What? Like it's say, so funny. Like you say you have a 2080, I should be able to run it. That was... Unless your game's uh, totally poorly optimized, yeah, I think it'll be just fine with the 2080. I, I didn't mean run it as in like, oh, it barely runs. <laughs> I mean like run it the way I want it to run. I could run it at a steady 30 to 40 FPS, but play no, 1080p on low bracket. settings. Okay, oh. this interview is over. Oh, Delete all this. Oh, excuse I'm kidding, me. I'm um, so therefore that answers the question. Be, well, actually, it doesn't. Are you going to be playing on controller, or mouse, and keyboard? Controller. Do you, have you? I, I imagine you have, but have you dibble-dabbled with keyboard and mouse on MCC? I have dibble-dabbled, yes. Do you, are you going to dibble-dabble on Infinite, or are you just going to stick to controller? Um, I might dibble-dabble, okay. but I'll probably mostly play controller. So I'm still like, I still like to win. I still like to play well. So True. that's why I have to stick to controller. Unless I really like commit a bunch of time to mouse and keyboard. The only mouse and keyboard games I really play is like... Dota, which is obviously not an FPS, so very different. Right. And like a little CS. Okay. So a little Apex, but mostly controller. So um are you what controller are you using right now? Like what's your what's the preferred? My preferred controller is this one. The one modeled after the 360 one? The yeah. And then I have, hold on. I have this. Oh, an actual 361. Nice. Nice. I have two of them, actually. <laughs> oh, my God. So I do usually play MCC with this. Stick still in good condition, too? It is. There's no real slow turn. This one has great... I don't, you're not going to be able to see it, but the not, the little nubs on the, on the sticks are, like, very well there. This thing's basically brand new. Hell, yeah. It treats his controllers with care. One of these I had for a while, and then one of them I bought from Bravo when he moved out here. That's awesome. When he moved away from here, I should say. That is awesome. So no, no fancy elites, no scuffs, no nothing like that. Just a no, traditional. I guy. used to have, I used to have the elites. I don't have them anymore, but I used to get like early elites, and okay. I thought I was the shit. But they were <laughs> prototypes, so they wouldn't last very long and stuff. And um, I'm not a paddle player, so Same. I don't really get the benefit, the benefit out of like playing scuffs or. Elites, don't get me wrong, the Elite is awesome. I love the weight of it, how the sticks feel. But I've gotten used to just the standard controller, and it's, you know who convinced me? Penguin. So he plays, I don't know if he still does, but he typically played with a default controller. Saiyan does too? Like, or Lucid. Saiyan does Lucid as well. Does too. Lucid, sorry, Tommy. Lucid. So, uh, yeah, like, it's a great controller. Awesome. See, I'm also, uh, I'm an Elite guy who does not use paddles. So, yep. But I also love the weight. It's that's the big thing is that it doesn't feel it, cheap's a bad word to use, but that's yeah, really what it feels it premium. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's a premium product. Buy Xbox. Oh my <laughs> wow. Oh, okay. Beautiful. Well, the funny thing I is, can is that chill sometimes. That, that's fine. I mean, the the funny part about that is that this interview is actually over. So Tashi, uh, without further ado, <laughs> what are you up to, and where can people find you? Wait, I don't get to ask you guys questions? Go for oh, it. Go for it. it. What do you got? Okay, I was going to say, I have one question. Oh, shit. And it's for each of you. Oh, no. I want to know, you know, from each of you, if you're like, Tashi, this one thing for Halo Esports, 
it needs to be there or it needs to be true or this needs to happen whatever you think is like whether it's like a feature or a type of partnership or you need to do a better job with like listening to players in this regard wherever your head goes like let me know let me hear it what's the one thing you're like tashi you gotta have this this has to happen or like no more of this you know do you have one i'm I'm thinking looking can i cop out and give two one's a joke and one's a real answer i'll allow it okay um oh i was so close to just saying the thing that i said i wasn't gonna say that i might have said uh, the thing that we talked about in our DMs, I'm not actually going to call you that, so don't worry about it. Uh, but that's not what I was going to say. I actually um, don't remember. Oh, you don't remember Toshmeister? Is that what you called me? Yeah, <laughs> you said I get two a year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and the one I said in the DM didn't count, so there's my one for this year so okay. far. Okay, all right, that's fine. Hell yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I said it. All right, so the actually... Fuck it. So the joking one that I, I, you know what? Fuck it. It's not even a joke, but I'm going to give you two anyway. You need to hire us. We can come out and we can be the official podcast for the HCS. Yeah. Then, um, and that means move us out to Seattle and all that stuff. We have to relocate obviously. But, <laughs> uh, the, the other thing, the thing I really wanted to mention was, um, now we don't know a lot because we're not in like th- these types of conversations that take place d- when Halo five was the competitive halo title yeah um but one of the big things within the community was it felt as though the community the players weren't being heard in terms of settings that they wanted changed um that means radar being removed and then it got tweaked oddball being put in when it felt like it wasn't fully fleshed out then being removed and putting back in again it still didn't feel great um spartan charge ground pound autos all this stuff taking what felt like forever to be removed when the pros felt like it shouldn't have been there. Um, So for me as an outsider looking in again, we're not in those types of conversations. So I'm not going to talk to like why things didn't happen the way or the way that they quote unquote should have whatever. Right. But what I would like is for there to be better communication around that, around what the players would like. And for those things to be acted on, if possible, more quickly. And then if they're not able to be acted upon for that to be talked about. And you had mentioned that, um, for those blogs to potentially become something like that. And I just wanted Mm -hmm. to re hit that again, because I think that is truly critical to getting the pro players perspective because they're the ones that are competing in the title. And that's, that's what I have. Cool. No, that's a great one. So, what I'll share so far is um, for Infinite, the way we're thinking about it is um, players will have, the pro players specifically, will have a chance to regularly give their kind of individual feedback through surveys that will filter out through the partner teams. So we'll say, hey, partner team, it's time for a player survey. Please give this to your players. Have them fill it out by whatever time, right? And that'll include things about the game, the settings, but also like the esports stuff too. So that's important information that we want. So we'll have all this like direct pro data. So it'll be like if we can give a survey, the information that the pros will be able to share there will be a lot better data and information that we'll get through Twitter or even like these big joint like Discord calls that we used to have where it was just like, a couple people yelling over everyone else and players who had different opinions were basically 
didn't feel comfortable to speak. So we're going to do like individual surveys. So if you have an opinion that you feel like is not popular, you have a safe place to share that. And we're not going to reveal, oh, this player said this. Like, so it is a safe place to share those honest opinions. Because that's something that I actually don't think a lot of people know about or appreciate from the Halo 5 days. Like, yes, we didn't do a good enough job during a lot of those times then. But there's a lot of misunderstanding about the process and how players just have different opinions, right? If you're on the top, you probably don't want things to change. If you're on the bottom, you probably want things to change because you're on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And all the social dynamics that come with like louder voices on phone calls, not letting the smaller voices talk, like there's a ton of stuff like that that happens on calls. So we want to like eliminate all of that. So pros will have surveys uh, and then we're also just going to gather a ton of like raw data from the game. So we'll, we'll be able to look at like, Hey, how many kills are players getting with this weapon? You know, where are they getting these kills? What is like, we'll be able to look at that. And then we can look at both like the data we get from the players and the data we get from like, well, surveys, I should say the data we get from surveys and then the data we get from the actual like gameplay. And then we'll be able to say, like, okay, here's what's actually happening in the game. Here's what people are telling us. And here's where we can kind of make adjustments. So, yeah, I think Halo 5 is um, very difficult. And we talk about a lot internally about why that stuff didn't go as well in Halo 5. And one of the big things is, like, we were so focused on just releasing all these, like, big content updates for Halo 5. We had new maps, we had new Forge updates. We were, like, It was awesome, don't get me wrong. It was just like, oh, there's all this new stuff to play and try out. But we didn't do a good job of like, and what we share internally is like tending the garden, which is the garden being like the sandbox and the balance of everything and making sure that's being upkept. So that philosophy, I think, has changed since Halo 5. And I think you'll see us do a better job and now have the tools to be able to do that more rapidly. So... That's, I'll say, for right now, what will be different from Halo 5. Obviously, we'll have it's a different game. We'll have different feedback and issues to different players. So it's not going to be like one-to-one, all the same stuff coming out. Um, but I think you'll also see when we're able to talk about the competitive settings. And Quinn has already shared this on his Twitter, but like competitive won't have like the grenade hit markers. That's already like a big change that we're making from Halo 5. There are a few more that you'll see for Halo Infinite. I think players are going to be like, hell yeah like they listen to us like they got it right with this so um there's more stuff on the way but yeah that's kind of overall how we're approaching it thank you well i guess the thing that came to mind for me was with the longevity of the game having some sort of map rotation for competitive versus the same you know five to six maps so we you know maybe there's you know, for see, just say season one, we have this set, yep. set maps in season two, this, this map drops, we bring a new one in or a couple of yep. them, whatever it may be just to keep it fresh and same maybe with modes. Yeah. So hundred percent, our intention is to kind of figure out a good system to do that. It's always tough with like trying to make sure players have enough time to practice on new maps and modes and they're being integrated at the right time. You can't drop it like one week before a major event. Yep. So it's going to be tricky from a timing perspective to make sure we get it right. And there's going to be times where we hear feedback. And it's like, oh, that was too close to the tournament. And so we'll have to like do our best. But this is, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because this is one of the things that like where there's often conflicting um, feedback 
from different parts of the community. What you just yeah. brought up is like a fan and enthusiast perspective, which is like, I want to see when I tune in HS broadcast, a new map, a new mode, something exciting that's going to like change up the scene and like, but players, not, not all of them want that. Yeah. Right. So they want more time to perfect the maps and some of them would rather we just stay on the same maps the whole time. So this is where, again, I'm glad you brought it up. You're highlighting how these two different audiences that we have to solve for have different goals. It's like, how do we walk that line the right way? Ultimately, I'm with you in that, like, for the scene to grow, we need to be bringing in new content. And there needs to be good viewership and fans. But we need, it to, do, we need to do it in a way that is still good for the players, which is the maps and modes are high quality. They're competitive. They're brought in at the right time. Players have enough heads up um, to practice and, you know, get them integrated into their scrims and whatnot. So it's finding the line that's kind of the job for us. But I'm yeah. with you on that. Awesome. Um, I want to briefly touch back on the survey portion as well. So you mentioned uh, pros potentially receiving a survey for feedback. Um, my follow-up to that is, is there or could there be an avenue where like the AMs that sign up for the open event, like all those registered people that had to register via like an email address or whatever it may be, they also get a survey, so their feedback gets taken into consideration instead of just the pros within the organizations? Yeah, so I should have mentioned that. But yeah, we did that with Face It in the Halo 5 Pro Series. We would, like, blast out a survey. That's where, like, we removed, like, was it Shrine? Not Shrine. What is the name oh, of the... Sanctuary? Yeah, it's the Sanctuary. But what's the name of it in Halo 5? Why am I blanking on it? Refuge. Refuge. Refuge, yes. Yeah. So, like that came off of the feedback from all the players there and that was pros included. So yeah, you'll see us do more of that as well. Awesome. Um, all right, Tashi, before we actually close things out, is there any other questions you have for us? <laughs> no, you guys have been great guests. I appreciate you jumping on my show. Um, Absolutely. hope to have you back on in the future sometime. I mean, Hey, likewise for you, Tashi. Um, well, while we close this out, what are you up to and where can people find you? What am I up to? Uh, yeah, I'm working on Halo Esports. That's my mission. That's my North Star, creating the, the best Halo Esports ecosystem that I can create for the community and for all of our partners. So that's what I'm up to. Where can people find me? Um, Tashi343i on Twitter is my main thing, but I would say make sure you follow HCS. That's where all of our big news and information is going to be shared. And hopefully you find it entertaining too. I know we've been putting a lot more effort into, you know, having fun on the Twitter account. So hopefully people have taken note of that. Hell yeah. And uh, for just for the record, again, uh, Tashi did not create the top Halo 25 list and he did <laughs> not put Ogre 1 at 11. So that's right. Just don't think that anymore. That's right. We created the idea. We didn't create the list. Exactly big difference um wait hold on a second uh-oh did you wasn't there am i missing you... something i did miss something oh my god tosh you have time for one more i'm sorry i don't know maybe oh god damn what's, it okay what's in it for me no i'm kidding go 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 so We've seen through social media posts that another potential avenue that could have gone, that this could have gone in, was a Halo Hall of Fame route. So was oh, yeah. was this method considered when planning out this event, or could this be something introduced in the future? 
Um, Hall of Fame is different. Like, we wouldn't do a Hall of Fame this way. This was intentionally the top 25. The idea has been around for over a year. We actually wanted to do it last year, and then Halo Infinite got delayed, so we're like, let's do it next year. So it was meant to be a countdown list. It was meant to kind of, like, have people talking about the old school versus the new school versus the middle school. We knew that people were going to have big opinions. Um, <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, so... It was always meant to be a top 25. Uh, we have kicked around the idea of a Hall of Fame. I think where we have shot the idea down in the past is on the execution. If not done correctly, it could feel pretentious and corny and um, just not have the gravitas that it needs. And um, there's also a part of me that thinks like, um, you know, how many other games have Hall of Fames, you know? It's like, I want to recognize these players. They should be recognized and celebrated. But Hall of Fame, you're creating this different product, essentially. And it's like, that need that has certain standards that it needs to live up to. And I don't know that we're there yet. So I think we as a community can say, oh, you know, here's who we would put in the Hall of Fame and whatnot. But when you're talking about 343 puts out an official Halo Hall of Fame, that needs to be, that's a significant undertaking and investment. We can't just like release a list and be like, okay, here's who's on the Hall of Fame. Like we would, we would try to do it right. Imagine we do it at the World Championship. We have this like special trophy. We have this like speech that's built out. Like we, gather all this like we would do it right you know what i mean like you would expect that a proper hall of fame whoever would be in let's just say ogre too because he's the obvious shoe in we would fly him out and his wife and like we would do a proper like it would be a proper hall of fame you know what i mean then we just like when we do it we want to do it right and we don't think we're there just yet gold jackets and everything that's what we're waiting for. all of it all yeah of it. i want to see you guys in like gold jackets as well oh fuck yeah let's go pull that off yeah we'll have our <laughs> custom air force ones on and we'll just fucking rock old jackets uh tashi thank you for humoring us with that last question there um yeah. so uh, let's let's close it out ladies and gentlemen this has been a journey uh to say the least because this has been episode 200 of hcs pro talk with our esteemed guest tashi who, like I said, we ghosted earlier, and now we, we finally brought him on to be on the show. So, And he even a- asked us a question or two, so that was that was something. And I got to shit on him for liking midship too much. But um, Questionable. I, was, okay. I mean, that's on you. The community is going to turn on you, not me. Midship's that's, the best map ever. That is true. It's okay. I think people give too much shit to Halo 4, and I've already received a lot of that shit anyway, so it doesn't even matter. Uh, <laughs> people can hate me for what they want to hate me for. That's why muting exists. But... Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for spending time with us, for watching, listening, whatever it may be. Will, I'm going to throw it to you. Impromptu, would you please plug the show? Well, first off, thanks for Tashi for being here, taking the time spending to spend with us and go through this interview. But yes, you can find us on your favorite podcast services. Just search for HES Pro Talk. Find us on Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Pocket Cast! Leave us a review and let us know about the show. You can join the Discord, join the community discussion. Links provided in the Google Doc of the show notes of the show. 
which we don't have for this one. So find it on Twitter, um, social media, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Go check it out. And I'm going to end it there. Oh, sounds good. Cut it short. That's all right. (laughs) I put you on the spot. It's okay. Uh, Tashi on any last words before we end this shit. Yeah, I do. So Um, I'm looking at your headset. Yeah. Asheray forties with the halo mod kit. Okay, it it looks like. Okay, I see. So what's freaking me out a little bit is it almost looks like the there's supposed to be another part that goes over, but it looks like it's green screen cutting out into the thing. So part of the show at times I've been looking, I'm like, that's not a green screen. I can see the shadows. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, so now it's confirmed. It's just a regular headset. Yeah, it's definitely that's not all. Green. That's is it, all. Is it like the, the 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 bars that are sticking up up here for the like head adjustment? Yes. And it's getting, and the, so like, I can see it on yours, the bar that goes across, but yours is stuck in your hair. And so it almost looks like there should be one (laughs) that's just a green screen getting cut out. That's awesome. But anyway, yeah. Congratulations again on 200 episodes. Um, Hopefully 200 more plus more after that. Thank you guys again for having me. This was a lot of fun and hopefully we can do it again sometime in the future. Hell yeah. Tashi, yes. thank you for being on here. And yeah, we'll keep going as long as people, I mean, even people don't want to fucking listen to it. Who cares? We'll keep going. We didn't think people would listen to us when we started. So True. You know. look where we are now. <laughs> um, oh, we're still waiting for our, uh, we're still waiting for our confirmed application to come work at uh, 343 and uh, be your official HTS podcast. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for us for episode 200. We'll catch you next time where we talk about stuff that we normally talk about on the show. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you next time. But until then, bye-bye.